0: Somebody slurping during the intro. Who was that?
1: I think that was me. Uh, <laughs> well, you,
0: everything is allowed on this chat. You know, you can slurp if you yeah. want. So,
1: <laughs> well, like they say, uh, like they say, take a sip of coffee and you're on. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers.
1: Mm. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So, welcome everybody. Uh, really good to see you all. Uh, I think everybody here now today is joining us from Berlin, so that saves me a lot of uh, <laughs> headache. Um, Irene is here. Um, how are you, Irene?
2: Pretty good. Thank you.
0: Awesome. How are you? Ni- I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, nice to have you. Thank
3: you
2: um, for
0: having me. Yeah. And we have uh, Merlin, uh, a.k.a. Sorcery, um, with a really nice, uh, interesting backdrop that we'll uh, definitely talk about later on. <laughs> what's up man how are you
4: i'm good i'm good i've been running around all day just brought my modular here (laughs) and i'm a bit like i'm happy to just sit down and just to hang out with you guys and yeah really good to be here and thanks for having me
0: awesome awesome yeah good to see you too um and we have um uh, chris kamikaze space program uh also apparently in some kind of spaceship Uh, (laughs) (laughs) good to have you man how are you
1: oh i'm all good thanks yeah just um yeah i've been teaching all day teaching distortion uh really really good to be chilling on my sofa (laughs) teaching distortion
0: Man, did you ever think when you were a kid uh, what, that you were going to be uh, a distortion teacher later in life?
1: <laughs> no, definitely not. I was like the worst student ever. and then It's somehow an amazing job. Being a <laughs> <Such> an <Yeah. laughs>
0: you should make, you should make uh, business cards with a distortion teacher on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it could be a good title.
4: Dr. Distortion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so so what about uh where do you, where do you where does the teaching t- take place and how how is that uh, uh organized and everything
1: um I teach at uh catalyst Berlin which is formerly dBS okay. at, at the funk house in Berlin so it's like a proper university hmm. um, so yeah I do first and second year creative music production and uh mix engineering
0: awesome yeah I was actually scrolling through your um instagram with uh, you know uh, it's a pretty good source for gear porn uh, i saw <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i saw Definitely. i saw some uh, ssl and uh, you know um uh, trident. Tri- trident atb and stuff like that yeah yeah <laughs> so is that is that something the, the stuff you use in your studio or are you also working in other studios like doing um, mixing jobs or mixing jobs for other people and stuff
1: well yeah that's my other job is i do mixing for other people so when I'm doing big commercial jobs, especially in the pop world, you need to use these very large, large format consoles like SSLs, Trident, things like that. So yeah, I'm working in a multitude of studios all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you mean nice... you need? You need to use? Is it because the amount of tracks that you're you're processing, or?
1: uh yeah, well because a lot of it is like live instrumentation, so you really need a decent desk to um to route all you know like a full drum kit. Like the last album project I worked on was like a five piece horn section. 20 mics on the drum kit uh what else Loads of singers so yeah it needed a huge amount of uh huge amount of equipment so yeah you need a good console for that kind of thing and also the sound as well the sound's got to be pristine mm. but in my home studio i'm just using an old 90s soundcraft because it's the old kind of jungle kind of sound that i like oh uh, so yeah yeah yeah. with
0: the yeah. With the, the, the nice mid sweeps and stuff
1: that's the one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, there's
0: there's one here in the in the studio as well. Um,
1: yeah, what's the desk you have behind you? I was um, I was eyeing that up actually.
0: Oh, that's um, it's a, it's a DDA uh, forum.
1: Oh, nice! I don't know that one.
0: Yeah, it's like I think um, uh, it was from the same factory as uh, where the uh, Clark Technic stuff was built. Ah, oh, cool.
1: Um,
0: yeah, it's like a British desk, you know, with uh, with. Um, you know it's it's sort of like um it's got a bit of a classic sound to it you know what i mean um and um yeah i basically just use it as a as a massive uh router you know like uh yeah matrix, basically yeah
1: yeah exactly the same yeah. yeah yeah
0: it's like it's it's nice to do like dubs and stuff on it you know like uh having your effects return on actual channels rather than just the returns and then just go crazy with uh oh with the yes
1: becomes like a big ecosystem doesn't it like every action causes a big chain chain reaction of effects
0: yeah yeah it's dangerous but I like that you know I like the danger (laughs) 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 Um, so yeah I mean uh, let's maybe move to Merlin studio you said you um, you brought your modular uh, back in this place Yes normally you have it in your drumming studio where you have it
4: as part of your drum kit right well normally is a big word Uh i don't sometimes (laughs) it's it's kind of like Every other week (laughs) yeah i don't know i just i just go with the feeling you know so i mean i i i like to um have instruments in different areas so the the drum studio is more kind of a live raw approach where it's just very messy on the spot because i have drumsticks so i'm like it's not not precise at all you know most of the times i'm like twisting a knob with the stick and so that's kind of a completely different approach it's not analytical at all it's just very you know just on yeah like on the spot and uh and then here is more kind of a late stage production or just compositional area where I get to spend time, you know, endless hours on a very useless hours most of the time, like on a patch or on, on something, on a mix or, you know, so I kind of like hover between these two spaces. So, yeah, it was about time that I brought the modular back here because it had been in my drum studio for, for a few months and I missed it exactly uh, interacting with it on a more relaxed and uh, analytical level. So yeah I mean it was kind of a kind of a mess to to bring it because I was walking there and then I had the stand and the cables and the stuff, so it was a bit like but it was a beautiful day today, so in the end it was <laughs> it wasn't that bad mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah maybe maybe you should explain to people exactly how what your approach is because um i mean you you have like an analog like a real physical drum kit connected to all kinds of electronics. And, and you use the, as far as I understand, at, le- at least that's what I can make up from, from the, the videos I've seen. Uh, you use the, the, drum, uh, the drum kit as a sound source, but it runs through, um, you know, modular synths and stuff like that. And a lot of stuff is also rhythmically triggered by whatever you do on the drum kit. So it's, it's absolutely insane. And I mean, the sounds you get out of it and the energy is just mind-blowing. But, <laughs> you know, how, how does it actually work?
4: Well, I mean, exactly. Like, the, the whole kind of goal of the of the game is to kind of express the electronic counterpart with the drums, right? So, like, mm. I try to find all sorts of ways to do that. And also, I'm always trying to find ways how to kind of glue the sound together, which is not an easy task, because drums are very, mm. yeah, like, acoustic and raw. Even if I have mics and everything, they're, they're, it's just completely different planets sonically speaking so it's kind of that's the challenge and uh but you know i kind of make the challenge into the goal of the game like i said so basically envelope followers obviously this is definitely a, a trick that i use over and over again uh because that is just reactive and i can just feed audio through it and that is just converting into the modular world but also just signal processing so i distortion I mean, you were talking about distortion earlier, (laughs) Chris, but I mean, I'm like, I'm a distortion junkie. So it's like layers of distortion, multi band distortion with (laughs) side chain, different compressors. It's just like distortion all over the place. And that definitely kind of helps to bring also this very acoustic sound of the drums into a a more like, I don't want to say synthetic, but like, you know, in a more processed thing and that is easy to then kind of blend it or to make it work with uh, synth sounds and stuff like that so but you know I don't really have a a, a fixed um, process because like it's just because of the drum stuff and I'm like busy playing drums and my my mind is in that sense even if I'm very used to it it just kind of puts me in this in this uh, state of mind which is yeah exactly which is just kind of messy (laughs) it's just really so to play with the machines with that i don't half the time i don't even know really what's happening (laughs) i'm just like doing a setup and then like something happens and then you know so uh yeah i mean but it's it it definitely yields interesting things because it's it's improvised everything is improvised and the sounds are improvised and it also feeds what i'm playing so i'm feeding the machine but the machine is also feeding me right so because i listen to what's happening so it's kind of a dialogue more or less of you know so I don't know if that makes sense or that experience. oh yeah
0: absolutely yeah I mean I I totally relate to the idea of being in 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 a space where you are kind of controlling what what uh, what you want to do but at the same time lots of things are, are just happening you know like uh are uncontrollable you say you don't have a clue what's going on half of the time but i think that's true for most musicians <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. you're just fucking around right and then <laughs> to see what happens um i mean yeah. um yeah i can totally relate to that but i think it's really you found a really amazing expressive way to uh to sculpt sound in with with the, the setups that you use It's it's awesome
4: thanks it means a lot coming from you, definitely. <laughs>
0: yeah, distortion, distortion. Yeah, it's not only distortion. It's also, I, you know, there's synth sounds and processing, as you said, you know, it's like, it's a very versatile yeah, exactly. sound. But it's mean, and, and, and I, it's got, I, like, a lot of expression. It's, it's a badass. And, like, I,
4: there's, an, there's an aesthetic, exactly. Like, it's still, yeah. like, I mean, I, I'm still moving in the direction, right? So, like, I have kind of a musical, you know, way that I that I want to go, and that also... Uh, also drives the setup and the type of sounds that I'm going for, obviously like the aesthetic, the musical aesthetic that I that I'm that I'm going for mm. which which i I mean is greatly influenced and kind of uh, echoing even if it's live music, but it definitely comes from techno music and a lot of the things that you guys are doing or you have been doing, you know, like massive influences, all this kind of world, you know, and of course like the live, but definitely like this heavy industrial, you know, it's like, Ruby. it has like, it it makes my heart vibrate in a very special <laughs> way. <you
0: know? laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe move to Irene, maybe, because uh, your music is also very layered and, and, uh, I would say in places and, uh, lots of expression, emotion and, uh, um, yeah, moody is probably the, the <sighs> word that captured it for me.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> where does
0: it, where does it come from in, in, on your end?
2: Um, I, I also come from like playing in bands. So my approach to music, it's more like in a sort of way, like more into like songwriting. So writing like actual songs in a, like more of a classic so- song structure. And so with that in mind, I, I kind of always try to stick with plain instruments, you know, like a guitar or a bass and just layer them. And I don't know, just affecting very heavily with distortion as well mm-hmm. <laughs> or. um, so yeah, like that—that's let's say like the main uh, root of my of my uh, music. But yeah, it comes from like I don't know. Like I'm a big grunge fan, so I think that takes like all my the moodiness of my music. Um, so yeah. <laughs> It's really hard for me to describe my music. or Talk about it because I I just sit down the in worst. my studio. Yeah, because I just sit down in my studio and as as you like, I don't I don't even think I just. Yeah, yeah, and I know it's a terrible question. Out, you know?
0: it's I, I wouldn't know what to answer when people ask me that question. You know, where does it come right. from? I don't know. I was just having a coffee and you know I was fucking around <laughs> and this happened. You, know? <laughs> you know, sometimes people say, oh you you know you must have been in such and such a mood when you when you recorded that or you know this track or whatever. And I'm like, I don't even remember. Remember, you know, maybe uh, maybe I was, I was just uh, thinking about the groceries when when I was uh, making some of those decisions. You know, it's uh, yeah. it's very hard. It's very hard to describe where it comes from. I, I totally agree. But 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 the process. So you 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 basically also have like uh, physical instruments as yeah. as your sound sources. So what happens yeah. next? Do you do you record them so, like with effects and with the processing, or yeah, you know, do that I- afterwards
2: try to do everything analog so i have a studio as well and i have my uh i have a few synths my favorite is the Juno six and i would just like record everything through effects and, and just layer stuff on top and i don't really use loops for example i don't really use uh sample packs so just record everything um from scratch so
0: do, you, do you do like multiple passes on a timeline or are you recording everything in basically live in real time or are you doing like
2: i i actually do yeah i actually do that i actually like record and then if I the mistakes i will record again and sometimes i chop stuff um from my recording obviously um but yeah that's mainly like how i write music um but i also like recently started writing more like idm drums and that's taking completely a different approach which is which is like insanely into editing and chopping and reverse and you know um but yeah that's that's another project that i'm working on (laughs) which takes a lot of time but normally that's that's how i make music i would just play and record
0: and And basically, just the performance and you capture your performance that's, that's yeah that's
2: that's, your, that's yeah. very important for me because I yeah. think that's the way you kind of capture the emotion in your tracks, and even if there is some mistakes, it's okay, it kind of gives life to life to your track, to your music, yeah. yeah, yeah
0: yeah, it's funny how um all the people who record like this they they can identify the mistakes, but probably nobody else can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's also like this when you play, no? When you DJ, it's like, yeah, you know. Sometimes I finish a gig and I'm like, oh I'm so upset. I made so many mistakes, and people would even notice. So
4: it's always like that. Always like that.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's will, like,
3: yeah. Yeah, it's it's
0: like when you when you uh, um, you you have this thing in your head or this th- this sort of idea that you want to express, and then some of it goes well, and then there's these little off things that uh, that you identify as mistakes, but uh, you are really the only one that ever will notice the these little things, you know, because it's just uh, slightly off what you uh, off of what you were planning to do, but you know. Uh, for a a third-party listener or for an an audience member or whatever, it would, you know, they they just accept it for what it is, you know?
2: Yeah, they'll never know.
4: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they just take it, yeah. But I guess you also do it for yourself, right? Because then, like, you'll always hear that mistake if you don't do something about it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
2: Forever. Like, I, I have released an album last year, and there is some... There is in a track in particular a mistake on the mix down that I can really hear oh. constantly. Sorry. <laughs> um, and the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, oh, that mistake. Yeah. Fo- like, <laughs> same thing, same thing for me.
4: I know exactly what you mean. Same thing for <laughs> me. It's like a little detail, but once you hear it, you can't un- unhear it. it. Exactly.
0: Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. You exactly just, it.
4: That's it. You just focus on that thing. So in the end, like, yeah, it's but it's true. Like people don't don't really know. And even just to, to go with what you were saying about live sets, you know, like or or gigs, whatever. Like sometimes, it's just like I had like the worst set ever or the worst gig, and people were like, "Dude, that was so amazing!" I'm like, "Oh my." Or the other way around, where I'm like, "This was the best set ever," and people were like,
3: "Yeah, you know, it was alright."
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so it just there's a distance. <laughs> But well, I really sort of like... Um, there was like a thing Brian Eno was talking about, about uh, how we live in a world where we always celebrate control, how we try to always um, process everything to perfection, but we, yeah. don't, we don't kind of embrace surrender, where you just surrender to let things be. And mm-hmm. he was talking about how he's always trying to strike the balance between control and surrender, and I find that whole thing that he was talking about very inspiring.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a really good uh, way to describe it, yeah, surrender. I, I usually... Uh, call it uh, um you know um, stri- striking a balance between uh, uh control or or like uh, uh yeah like like uh, make base- basically i'm talking about setups right like um you have uh, if you if you create a setup that you that you are uh, using to express your ideas you really want to have um some amount of control but you also want Uh, the system to do things that you are you know that are not in your control you know just to to basically create this interaction between you and the instrument and uh, that way you basically generate moments which uh, which are as surprising to yourself as to anybody who's listening you know that's that causes like moments where you where you are getting really uh, carried away by things you know and I mean you know performing should be should have an element of danger right
1: yeah, absolutely. and the studio, I mean, the studio should also... It's great when it's also a performance place, you know. Um, yeah. Performance doesn't have to be yeah. an audience. The studio uh, mixing in itself is a is a performance or, you know, producing is a performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So is that something you... Um, uh, you said mixing is a performance. Do you actually throw faders around and do like live auxiliary uh sweeps and shit like that and when you oh, mix Very much so.
1: Yeah, yeah? very okay. much so. Yeah. I'm also not really on, into like yeah.
0: Also on other people's stuff?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. If I can okay. get away with it. <laughs> it <depends laughs> you know, like some people, you know, some people like a like a perfect flower arrangement, you know, where everything's perfectly set and there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't know, mm-hmm. I like I really like um you know making extractions of the music reprocessing you know when the chorus comes in or certain parts of the music kicks in turning things up pushing things mm. down and know, having a like a rack of compressors that are just keeping everything the same and then pushing into the compressors create more density and things oh, like that yeah, yeah. you know use, using yeah using compressors as like a kind of an emotional instrument i suppose you know with the faders going into them things like that
0: yeah, absolutely. You can you can make something uh, sound way more expressive, or or create contrast between different parts of the song. Actually, yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah. it's but a, yeah, a performance.
0: Yeah. Oh man, I would love to see you mix some someday.
2: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Amazing.
4: Yeah. It's something. It's something. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember that time when I came to your place and you were like working on that mix, and you're like, "Okay, dude, I just need to finish this thing," and it was. <laughs> fascinating to say the least to see
1: him. Like, yeah. it was crazy crazy yeah, it's called uh, a mental illness <laughs> yes.
4: well, god bless yeah. you for that one yeah.
0: Yeah. um yeah some friends dropping in i see inigo is here what's up hello. Inigo? hey Hi. um yeah i saw some other uh familiar names from the discord server and some friends uh tuning in so hello to everybody uh, we are uh, trying not to ignore you, but if you have any questions, uh, feel free to drop them in the chat and we'll, uh, uh, we'll try to uh, get to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, yeah. tell me a bit about your recording process then, um, uh, Chris, because uh, when, I, when I listen mm-hmm. to your stuff, it's, it all sounds very uh, fine-tuned and everything, you know, you, you, I th- it sounds to me at least that you spend a lot of time fine-tuning sounds and stuff.
1: Oh, it's really, uh, yeah. I take, I, to be honest with you, the process of making music, I've kind of boxed myself into a corner nowadays because I've made the, the process of making music so long, it's uh-huh. almost intimidating to begin. So, yeah, I start off with lots of jams basically, or usually like a core idea, and then very roughly get something very raw together. But then, yeah, I meticulously go through everything and process everything. I think a lot of it's just down to the way I put it together that makes it sound meticulous. It's actually quite chaotic. Um, when it's <laughs> all said <set> and done.
0: <laughs> Can you describe that? Like, um, you say. LSO, ca- uh,
1: yeah, so I'm, well, I guess the main process would be, yeah, starting with a core idea. I really need some ki- something really crazy to begin an idea with, some kind of weird production technique or a new microphone or something like that. And then I'm really obsessed with um, vintage samplers, you know, uh, especially my EMU. I'm obsessed with the the old <laughs> EMU E6400 samplers. So I do a lot of um, sound design and sound mangling and that. And yeah, it's, a lot funny, of getting... it's funny they're called
0: vintage now.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>, that <they're laughs> makes me feel old. Than... <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's a lot of, um, yeah, my whole setup is based around like an old, because um, I come from like jungle originally from back in the day. And, um, you know, it's a lot of dub mixing and things like that. So my whole setup is very live analog dub mixing, which then all gets, all this raw audio gets tracked inside the computer And then I go sort of a lot more plugin centric. So, sort of a very analog beginning. Mm. And then, um, yeah, and then a sort of very digitalized process at the end. Because obviously the plugins are so good nowadays. Do you go back to the analog? Do you go back to the analog just out of curiosity in the uh, later later stage? Yeah. Uh, Sometimes. If if I have a really big project, I might take it to the other studio where I can use the Trident desk to really get a really magic sound. Like a summing, Um, like you sum it through the. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it's a really nice, really nice desk. But um, yeah, it's, I would say dub mixing, the dub a dub approach. Like at the moment, I would say that my main thing at the moment is using shoot like um, like Kevin Shields inspired shoegaze effects chains, like mm-hmm. distortion into tremolo, into reverb, into delay, into more distortion, into tremolo, and <laughs> but, but then dub dub mixing with those kind of shoegaze style effects. So it's kind of like a modern slash vintage kind of approach.
0: Yeah, best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great, man. I mean, um yeah, I I like I like the the sort of real-time performance approach uh as well, you know, like uh throwing things around and and get that sort of uh, um, yeah, that expression going because that's really hard to do in a computer. Computers are really good in sort of fine-tuning yeah. stuff and and zooming mm-hmm. in and do micro editing yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, mixing on a board is definitely way quicker and way more accessible, you know.
1: Yeah, and it just feels so nice being sat behind a big desk. Yeah, it makes you feel feel
0: like an engineer, like having all these knobs, (laughs) like like a scientist, you know.
4: (laughs) Getting shit done, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah.
0: Look at me working hard with all this technology. You know? It must be—it must be good if it comes from this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> when in reality, what you're doing is actually quite simple. You know, you might like. like I noticed. I saw this chart with EQs. Um, and it had this big squiggly line, and it was like this is how adverts sell EQ. And it was like this is what an EQ really looks like, and it's this little bump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what you're doing on the desk, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so much fun. I think there was a question about the the name.
1: Ah, can with my name. Oh, um, I want to know as well. <laughs> I, n- <laughs> I, n- I nicked it. I just not it. I nicked it from this. Well, in fact, actually, there was um, there was an EP that I released under my Raiden alias when I was used to do drum and bass, and it was called the Kamikaze Space Program EP. And uh, I always just thought that was a really good name, and it was going to go to waste. But now, now it's a bit of a nightmare because I have to type that name all the time, especially on <laughs> my, my email. My next alias is going to be two letters. Yeah, you, should,
0: you should have like a, a like a, a stationary somewhere on your computer so you can just copy and paste it every time you know? Yeah,
1: like a special KSP file,
0: <laughs> like a text text file on your desktop. You can just yeah. uh, copy and paste. We um,
1: also
2: love giving really long t- song titles as well. So just oh, yeah, we, um,
1: yeah. Me and my friend, there's um, a, uh, a really good friend I collaborate with. He's called Cocktail Party Effect. Yeah, we just did a collaboration for the longest title. So it's called Kamikaze Space Program and Cocktail Party Effect. And the song's called... Um, uh, was it rice is great if you're hungry and you want to eat 2,000 or something? So that's the whole title. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, good good luck fitting that into the into the fields on uh, on SoundCloud in uh, YouTube yeah. or,
1: uh, or,
0: ba- or Bandcamp or whatever. <laughs> it's gonna be a uh, sort of broken in in an ugly way on most uh, online platforms. <laughs> um, Cool. So I actually uh, I'm just looking around in uh, in your studios guys uh, just to see some good bits. Uh what do you have in your modular rack the one that you are using also for your uh, um, Merlin for your uh, drum kit? What kind of stuff do so, you use to process the sound?
4: So for the sound uh I I I'm uh, I mean, different things. What do I do? So I'm. Um, I have the distortion, huh? of course. Yeah, distortion. Distori- I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but the distortion is separate. The distortion is like I, I do like feedback loops in the mixer for the distortion actually. So that's like that's still there.
0: Oh, explain that feedback loop. Feedback loops in the mixer.
4: <laughs> feedback loops. Okay, I so, know. I know. I
0: mean, I'm familiar with doing feedback loops with delays and and pretty much ev-, you know all effects, but I've never really tried it in, as, with distortion.
4: Well, basically what I do is that I have this, like, headphone amp, right? Like, just to, like a splitter. It just basically splits the signal.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: then I take the entire mix of the drums coming out of the mixer, and then I feed it back into the same mixer three times. Wow. So, yeah, exactly. So it's like the whole mix of the of the drums fed back into the mixer, and then with different EQs and different panning and different, oh, so like,
0: gain stage. Uh, like parallel processing, basically. Pretty
4: much. So it's like it's doing like this very and sometimes like, depending on the gain stage, it just goes completely crazy. There's like some LFO things that are sort of happening. So it's like, you know, on the, on the kit, And I have two compressors, one at the beginning of the chain, so that the the drum sound really hits really, really like, it's like just like compressing like hell. And Mm -hmm. then one at the end where I side chain, the whole distorted like the the whole processing with the kick drum so it kind of it kind of cleans it up sort of Mm. so that's the distortion thing but i actually also have two more distortions on that on that same mixer that i can feedback i have a multi-band uh from wmd uh the acoustic trauma i don't know if you know if you know that one it's like it's discontinued, but I love that thing. It's so gnarly and it's a multi band distortion and it's really it's beautiful. And I have also one of the retro mechanical labs, you know, these vintage looking ones, the hide distortion filter. So I have like all of these like distortion layers that so that's the distortion side of the
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: compressors and distortions.
4: <laughs> I need a table just for that. And the modular, I have to. So I really like to um, run the in the elements. I'm gonna point at it. I don't know if you see it yeah. this way. This one, the elements. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's an input in it, uh, and it's like it's a physical modeling thing, and it's like a resonator, which which is pretty basic, but yields pretty interesting things
3: mm.
4: with the drums. So it's just kind of a resonator thing, but I can shape it, and I can also uh, uh, modulate it with LFOs. So that's really fun. Uh, there's a more distortion, obviously. The Bastl, uh Dark Waver, I think.
0: Oh, uh, is which that, is a fee- I, yeah, I, I know. I think I know that one. Yeah.
4: Which is basically doing what I do in the mixer, but it's it's a, it's a feedback thing. But it has an uh, envelope uh, follower generator, so I also use that one as an envelope follower that I can also output to other things then there's the wave razor uh from uh mok i don't know if you know that one it's um how can i explain uh it's not a wavetable. it's like a sequence where you chop waves and you basically cycle through different uh bits of of waves and then you can like you can the, the speed of the cycling can go really really fast to like audio so you can get these really really uh, sharp like loud synth sounds and there's an input so i basically feed the drums through that too which just gives even more dirt and yeah <laughs> so so how,
0: how do yeah. you how do you actually um control the uh the level of the playback when you are recording your drums because obviously the actual drum kit is making shit loads of noise and is very loud yeah. So how how do you um, mic that stuff and then have it c- go through your, you know your external processing and get the signal back right. to your speakers? How do you balance those two out? Because
4: um, so no speakers in ears. Oh,
0: oh, just headphones. Yeah, right. Okay, I was gonna say. It's
4: Impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. Yeah it would right. be it's just physically impossible to get that level of, of uh mess it's yeah. uh, speakers are just uh... so i have in-ears which are pretty good and they block out everything and i can then also be gentle with my eardrums and regular but i have a mixer i have the yamaha o1v uh digital mixer which is very handy because it has a bunch of aug sense and I send different, uh, like into the modular, you know, I don't send all of the kit in there. Sometimes it's just the snare, just the kick and things like that. And then the module, uh, modular goes back into the mixer and that's where I basically do the mix into the, so it's just like signals that are just basically going a bit in and out of mm. each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the the, the connection between the acoustic input and the and the you know the processing the the synth and the outboard and everything I haven't seen many people do it in 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 the way you do it it's it's pretty crazy.
4: It's been a while that I've been. How long have you been doing this? <sighs> years, years. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of the latest. Uh, the latest. I mean, I used to be really into MIDI. Right. but midi quickly i mean like it's kind of like a logical step as drummers to yeah. go and to trigger stuff or pads which is great but it's just sample based and it's just on off and it's much and more there's exciting a bit of a delay
0: as well right i mean even if it's, if it's a very small delay it's still it's still not like
4: i mean like the the multi-pads are pretty tight i mean it's still mm. you know like you have like dedicated machines for that so i mean if I trigger like my computer, definitely there's a delay. But I mean, but it's just like in the end, it's just on off. It's not, it's not as kind of deep or as, as crazy. And we were right. talking about, yeah, exactly. We were ta- I think like all of us are, are definitely in this way where we like to kind of navigate in a space where it's a bait, it's a bit where we get inspired with what happens. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of dangerous by surrendering to, like the the improv things you know rather and like midi is more it's so like predictable like i just hit the thing and then it's gonna go like and then all right then what (laughs) (laughs) yeah so (laughs) yeah so yeah but i mean i think i don't know i like to i like to have like the process also help me move in directions like it kind of like brings me to some places like when i when i write music i don't know how it is for you guys but if i if i tell myself i'm gonna make a track like this it never works <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> never.
0: no but Impossible. it can be a, it can be a starting point though i mean uh, i i of course it's never never gonna turn out the way you had it in your head or the way you planned but um i think it's a good thing to 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 have like a starting point like a system that you or a piece of gear or a combination mm. of, of gear that you think okay i'm gonna you know, try this today, and then hopefully I get like in the in that ballpark of sound, you know, a little bit. But of course, it never really happens because you get sidetracked very quickly if if you hear something that yeah. sort of, sp- sp- you know, uh, that triggers your mind or your your imagination, and then you're off in a whole different direction. But still, you have you because of the starting point, you have something, you know. Yeah. I don't sure. I don't regret those moments. It's it's always like uh, you know whatever happens happens, you know, just to deal with it and you know get the most out of it.
4: Hmm. But I mean, it's true that on the other side, it can be quite uh, like demanding or exhausting to always follow these little hunches, like you're saying, because then you just like hop into the wilderness and you're like, holy shit, what do I do, where do
1: I go from here? It's good to have a direction sometimes, definitely. <laughs> I remember last time when we came around your house and you were like, yeah, I'm doing machine learning. For like interactive um, <laughs> visuals, you were like so on a mission. We're like, I remember um, we listened. We I were watching uh, back what you did. I still, uh, well, pretty speechless after what we saw that day.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. coming out.
4: It's it's gonna. It's it's finally gonna come out. I'm really excited to bring it out into the world. Yeah, that's that. That was yeah the machine learning thing. I'm still yeah. I'm still discovering. It's a fascinating area of things. Yeah
0: can you can you talk about that or is it or you want to, or is it under <laughs>
4: no, no 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 no? i, I can yeah. i can't i'm just i'm i feel like i'm talking a lot but i can't definitely no, I mean, it's, it's more on the visual side of things <laughs> i'm uh, i also do visual work here and there and uh, i just got into this whole uh, artificial intelligence uh like generative Fit like modeling of, uh, so you know, like these deep fake things. I don't know if you've heard of this stuff or seen.
0: Of course. Yeah.
4: Uh, so you, exactly. So you basically like feed uh, a set of data to uh, train to model something. And then you can basically create a model out of this data. And then once the model is done, it will give you endless iterations that mm. are not, are like just never been before. Forever, so um, I've been basically fucking around with that, and then like just instead of trying to create a perfect model, because that's I think what the technology is intended for, to just create perfect faces or you know like shoes or cars or whatever. I just my my data set is a is a mess like. Cupcakes with Bauhaus ballet, or like <laughs> birds, with like you know, it's just. And then I interrupt also the the modeling process, so it just creates the most abstract, strange, morphing, just nightmarish uh, <laughs> results. And and then I use that as as visuals to go along with the with the with the, the music. Or yeah, the music. are they so when they
0: are, are they moving
4: images? No, or no, 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 steals? Then they're they're moving. They're moving. Oh, wicked! Okay. animated. Yeah. So like, Where's basically, I then. with the drums
2: yeah Yeah, it's insane
4: so so they're like uh i i basically morph between the the models and then so you have like the algorithm you can see basically what the algorithm is doing to go from one model to another like an interpolation video and then i bring that back into after effects with like audio reactive on the scrubbing so it's like like following everything with like blinking
0: (laughs) yeah good one man i mean that's really what we should be doing uh, make ai our friend instead of fighting it right
4: (laughs) i mean i mean in the end like it's like i wish i would have something that efficient that could like feed
0: for music also you know yeah well it's it's um um it's becoming really advanced in the audio domain as well you know feeding uh, yeah. feeding like a bunch of music from uh, a certain artist or a composer and um uh, yeah it's it's pretty convincing already even it's with true. vocals it's true. yeah
4: yeah it's true yeah exactly you have this thing that is like like what is it like you like speak like a text so it has like enough words and then yeah, you can you just f- like
0: exactly you just feed it with a, a person's voice and then it just learns how to uh how to basically re- reproduce the voice and you can basically just type and and it'll, it'll speak your your uh, your input you know it's crazy i mean you know in in a few years or maybe in a decade spotify will just be an ai program you know so you search for uh kamikaze space program and the first five tracks will be f- f- from the actual artist and the rest will just be Spotify generated like, versions. Oh, of, uh, get uh, me
3: software. Yeah. That's not cool. I
2: wonder how it's going to sound. <laughs> well, I mean, for,
0: for, um, um, uh, yeah, for, for the, for the really specific, uh, you know for artists or for for music which has very very specific personal expressions like it, it it'll it be more difficult but for um eventually it'll catch up to replicate that as well you know
1: do you remember yeah. that when <laughs> when connor showed us that tra- track he mastered and he was like i was just like, i was yeah i was thinking the same I thing i was just thinking about that <laughs> yeah. oh my
4: god so like do we wanna, have, we have wanna a friend it? like a. Yeah, uh, or you, you can you can go for it, go for it, go for it. Oh no,
1: no, you were about to you're about to go in <laughs> well, I
4: mean like, I don't know, like you know do you know Connor, Connor Dalton, the the mastering engineer? Me? Yeah, I don't know if you oh, uh, yeah. Oh okay, yeah. okay, yeah,
0: sorry. Uh no, sorry. Well maybe I do. You well know anyways. I'm, yeah.
4: Anyway, so Connor, a friend of ours, he's a mastering engineer and then he's like mastering this track well where was it from? Like from this like so K pop thing, was, right?
1: That's it, yeah, from South Korea.
4: And then, like, he just masters the track. And then it's like, it's a pr- actually, he was like, yeah, it's a, like above average, you know, K-pop, like pretty cool, well produced, and like catchy. He had like, mm-hmm. he said, like, he even had it like in his ear or something. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> and then when the track came out, like, he saw the press release and it was uh, exactly AI generated track all and he was all like, of it, wow. all of it, all, all of it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: That is, he, crazy. Was, he couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah that is crazy yeah, that's, that's
0: right i mean yeah, um like chris said you know give me that program yeah eventually <laughs> i guess we will it will save us a lot of trouble you know like to you know just sit back and just fuck around and then have the ai finish your album if you if you feel like you had enough
3: <laughs> weird instructions
4: or just kind of like a you know like a buddy to bounce off ideas you know where you could like i think like if it would just emulate what you do we would just end up like going in loop but if it could bring your ideas to another level that would be amazing you know like sometimes
1: i wish i had somebody to listen to my stuff and to say oh yeah maybe you could go in that direction you know mm. maybe ai could do that if you know if stockhausen was you know came around today or pierre on you know pierre Ray came around today oh they, they, would, would, use use, sure. they would use yeah, it for sure yeah yeah exactly. absolutely yeah yeah
4: or so. we should just model them and then they could tell us what <laughs> yeah
3: yeah <laughs> and they should tell us how to model them yeah exactly
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we could um, have all the unreleased um, like uh, never made Jimi hendrix albums and shit like that you know <laughs> it would be amazing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a, it's another one that uh, we could uh, you could use the word surrender for you know just surrender to the AI just let it happen, man. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy the ride. <laughs> uh, I'm just uh, scanning the comments. Maybe anybody yeah. has any AI imaginary bandmates. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could ins- yeah in- instead of just making music by yourself, if you're a solo artist, you could invent or work together with an AI like, yeah. like, <laughs>
4: like
0: and as like a bandmate. Could... That would be amazing, actually. Yeah,
4: eh? yeah, exactly. That's the thing, and and you could like <laughs> even like model your bandmate to like things that you maybe like, but you don't put in your music or don't know how to integrate, and then you could just like have the feedback of that, you know. Yeah, be, I'm. Cool. I'm a
2: bit old school when it comes to this, but I'm. I feel like the best part of when it comes to <laughs> bands is to actually have bandmates and have a band. You know, ha, and have like people you jam with and feel like like inspired by and stuff like that. So I'm totally against this idea. <laughs> I, <think. laughs> I don't like. Yeah, that. in the
4: end, it just it just yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, it's just it's just so not, it's, accessible.
2: I, I,
0: yeah i mean it would be i mean you can you can think of scenarios that it would actually hurt uh income of artists or whatever but for sure um i mean every technology that comes around um people have been afraid for it you know like even radio or mm. or, or photography you know people Look were at the recorded medium, to be for pho- example. sorry what
2: yeah, that is true
1: like the recorded medium you know yeah sent everyone mental like because people who wrote sheet music thought they were going to be out of business yeah, well, yeah. And, and they were actually like tim Alley and things like that
0: Yes, Sprit Radix is saying, what if your AI partner becomes more popular than you? Go solo. You just well, yeah, well, you still you own it.
3: You, you still own it. You could have,
0: you could have like a, a whole army of AI artists, you know, and, and sort of uh, have them out there, uh, you know, making money yes. for you. Exactly. <laughs> just be on a behind a computer, just control, like being the evil genius, you know, controlling all these AIs which are invading Spotify and YouTube and everything. Oh, <laughs> I'm up for it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think, you know, these things are just gonna be, uh, ha- you know, working parallel or gonna happen parallel to actual, you know, human expression, right? That's it's gonna be just another thing, another tool to uh, to use and to um, to explore. Really, I think.
4: Definitely, definitely, I agree, and it's and it's definitely an exciting area because it feels more like. Uh somehow even if it's very digital but it's it feels organic because it's like alive you have like these like algorithms that are more complex and it's yeah it's cool yeah
0: yeah you know you know you know bt the uh, um, american producer he's um he made an interesting argument a while ago he said uh you know the way uh artists are now kind of um Really need to take care of need to take care of their copyright. You know, like registering your music to make sure you get paid and stuff. Uh, in the future, when when that AI becomes a real a big part of the of uh, generating content and stuff, uh, you should be able to claim your artist data set, You know, your experience and your mm-hmm. uh, all the experience you uh, you have and all the all the. Uh, facets of your skills that have, you have developed, you know, your ideas your ex- your way of expressing yourself your kind of um, uh, uniqueness that should be able to people should be able to, to kind of uh, register that as a data set so you can have control over what happens when uh, you, you know uh, AI driven stuff is going to be derived from your ideas so you still own the copyright to whatever the AI does to it, you know what I mean?
4: that's interesting
1: yeah that's a very interesting moral dilemma
0: it is yeah yeah <laughs> it's a good point though yeah
4: definitely. yeah it's like a, it's another another level of intellectual property just like yeah
0: yeah because if you if you're a musician or any any artist in any field you know you you start out and you you develop you know you you accumulate knowledge and, and skills and and you kind of uh, yeah, have you know? You basically this this whole data set expands, you know, and it becomes bigger and bigger and more unique uh, uh, along the way. And at some point, it's it's just uh, um, impossible to to replicate by another human. But for an AI, if if you give it enough time to study it, you know, or to to learn from the data set, then eventually uh, it'll have the same uh, capabilities. Mm. So if there would be a way to kind of uh, still own that data set and and be able to exploit it or to uh, uh, yeah, to, so everything basically points back to the to your uh, your experience in you as an artist, and that would be mm. um, a way to kind of manage that,
3: yeah,
4: that's interesting. but uh, maybe there would then need to be kind of a way how to bring it to because as as artists we'll always have to step it up to the next level so how to kind of beat the ai you know like surprise it you know the technology
1: is there to assist isn't it and make our lives kind of easier to allow us to progress to bigger things
3: yeah
4: yeah i i think yeah we should we should definitely kind of strive for that and that should if that should hopefully never be the case because I, i guess it also depends of the of the music that you do you know like when it's, like, very functional music, then, yeah, definitely the AI can, can take that, you know, and just, you know, can just do that function, you know, and go. But if you kind of then, if that brings us to make art or music that is less functional, if that if that makes sense or that is more kind of like out there then maybe the ai won't be able to reproduce that because it's just so organic like biological you know
0: yeah but yeah but no of course i mean uh, there's nothing like uh, i mean you can see music in in several different ways you know the way that that is like the most true to like the original uh not the original but like the traditional way of making music is like mm. a co- is a communal thing right celebrating together yeah. dancing together yeah uh, it's a, a form of communication of uh, absolutely uh gathering you know uh, releasing energy blah 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 all that stuff to you know uh, uh what's the other word i was looking for like um um rituals you know stuff like that you know yeah. uh, but the other the other way like you said uh um uh, you know music can in in our world, you know a lot of music that we that is being fired at us is functional music you know like music in adverts in in uh, music in films or you know music in uh, um, um or sound in in like uis or whatever you know just stuff like that and that that can that is basically now uh, a seriously valid source of income for a lot of people, you know? Not, pef- yeah. I mean, performances will always be there, I guess. Um, but the other way of, of uh, creating a revenue stream might, might be doing syncs for films or, or, or uh, stuff like that, you know? Or games or whatever. And, and that field can be easily uh, taken over by AI. For sure, and yeah, I'm absolutely. sure it that already. And that's that's concerning. Already yeah, I mean, is. That
2: is very yeah yeah. Problem, yeah yeah
4: yeah of course. It's probably yeah. already to a certain
0: extent. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think we were going go go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> was <my> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I wasn't prepared
0: for this. So I. <laughs> anyway. I <need> <laughs> uh, what's Irene process with acoustic I C guitars? Okay, Irene.
2: Um, Go for I it. just, I, that's a guitar and a bass and, um, yeah, I just, I used to, as I mentioned earlier, I used to like play in a band and I used to play bass in one band and guitar in another band. And my process right now, when I make electronic music, it's more actually using it as a, like as a synth. So I will record through different facts and then I will use maybe granulator um, to make some weird drones Um, and for the bass instead I actually like to just write like an actual bass line on my tracks with the bass but that's how I use my guitar mainly
0: Do you uh, go into an amp and then mic it or you go straight into the
2: Yeah, either I go like fall into like effects and then into my uh mixer and then sound card or i go through my amp and i record through the amp and i like to put a, like aluminum foil on the amp as well so it just creates a rattle <laughs> yeah it just creates like some weird <laughs> vibrations oh, that's awesome. um so yeah that's that's how i use it
0: That's awesome um
2: Chris was a bass player as well. He loves to play his bass. Oh, don't get
1: me started about bass. Yes. (laughs) Tell us more, tell us more. (laughs) Well, anyone who knows me, I'm literally obsessed with bass. Like, it's never loud enough. I think it's because, you know, growing up in the sort of like late 90s jungle scene in London, like, with the most most ridiculous sound systems, you know, it's like if your eyeballs aren't vibrating, uh, it's not loud enough. Yeah, <laughs> so I go to great lengths to try and get the bass as loud as possible. Dude,
4: that set that said that you played at the uh, oh, yeah Trezor, when you talking me. That yeah. was definitely eyeball <laughs> <laughs> twitching <laughs> bass. I, I think I never heard like that much bass. You even told me you like you spent some time like tweaking the system before
1: your set. Yeah, we spent about an hour and a half just pulling all the resonances out of the room, and then just inching the bass louder because it was like a live Jesus. set. So obviously, I had all my gear, and uh, yeah, just really going in on the frequencies, trying to get the right frequencies to hit the r- hit the room properly. And apparently, glasses were like falling off of the bar and everything while I was playing. <laughs> and I thought <laughs> it I, was. <laughs> I, well, I thought, do you remember like the front row just empty? I, I thought I cleared the room, but it turned out the bass, the SPL of the bass was so strong it just pushed everyone back. And that's like, <laughs> yeah,
4: it was like it was like
1: full body massage. You know, it was like <laughs> yeah, we it, I think, yeah. we got it down to about I think we got it down to about thirty three hertz. That's as low. Yeah, that was pretty low. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, I remember trying to play and I couldn't even focus on the mixer because my eyeballs were vibrating so much. <laughs>
0: So how how do you have any tricks to make your bass really loud? Like uh, of of course you can you can have a, a room treated in in such a way that you get like a really nice resonance and a really nice uh, vibration there. But uh, you know in like technically when you're mixing down, it's, I mean it's not just a matter of turning it up, right? It's there's a lot oh, of definitely of, not. Yeah. So what what is the what are some of the tricks you you use um, and want to share? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. <laughs> One thing is definitely low mid range. Low mid range is kind of like the enemy of bass because it really right. cause, because every instrument builds up in that area. If you clear that area out, um, it gives you it basically makes the bass perce- uh, perception much louder. So that's half the battle over already. Just yeah. getting rid of that sort of three four hundred hertz, but not too much because you lose the warmth.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to say if, uh, earlier. You know, I mean, sound is really. All, all it is is it's an illusion, right? Like uh, yeah, yeah. whatever you hear, it's so it's basically just uh, uh, to dip the right things and, and amplify the right things and to make the right balance to make your bass appear loud. But you can only be as loud as the medium uh, allows you to, right? So yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: I'll probably say my biggest like if I say a trick is um, I'm obsessed with the Sansamp, the original Sansamp PSA1 rack unit. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've got all these phase switches on my, uh, on my, um, on my patch bays. And then what I do is I, I get, uh, high and low pass filters and I'll, f- I'll basically hunt for sort of like frequencies and then flip the phase. And then it basically either, it kind of accentuates one frequency and pulls away another. And then you blend that back in on the desk and that just makes a monstrous sound, but it can take yeah. quite a long time to tune in the high and low pass filters and to get the phase right. So mm-hmm. it's all in the phase. It's all about the phase basically. Especially with distortion, actually, because obviously with distortion, you're altering the waveform anyway. So you're already out of phase. So then you can choose which phase hits the, the base frequencies the hardest. And then, yeah, you just run your distortion units and figure out which phase is, is emphasizing the right frequencies. And it works on drums as well, like uh, you know, flipping the phase on, on with high and low pass filters.
0: Awesome. And I guess uh, compression.
1: Um, actually, to tell you the truth, uh, compression on bass I find reduces it a bit too much. I tend to stay away from compression. Um, I actually like just oh, driving yeah? driving the analog desk. Yeah, like, for some reason I find compressors tend to uh, squash everything away a little bit too much and you lose a bit of the punch. Yeah. So I usually find just um, just uh, running it red on the desk uh, gives it the, the compression, but you get that smack on the front end.
0: Oh, right. You mean like just uh, uh, gain state, in the gain stage, just uh, Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah gain up high faders low yeah
1: but also as well just getting rid of the infrabase, you know just getting rid of all the stuff sort of under 20 hertz because all of you, you can't audibly hear that you wouldn't want to hear that and it just takes your headroom away so if you can clean that area up as well you can get like a nice tight low end
0: yeah what's a typical uh frequency you cut
1: um usually about 20
0: yeah okay
1: you know and i just try to be careful because of linear phase obviously but yeah that's a whole that's <laughs> a whole other <laughs> subject. <A> rabbit, <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we. I guess we're all obsessed by bass, but uh, you've actually made it, uh, uh, raised it to an art. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just remember because um, uh, it was. a I, I mean, you might remember it. You know, the End Club in London. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you remember that sound system, that big thunderidge. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, oh, that that system just blows still to my this day blows my mind just feeling those frequencies almost every time the bass would hit you could i can imagine that works so well with what you do with your crazy drops that you do Mm. you know you just get that wall of sound hit you like a tsunami you know and i do almost in some ways i feel that's kind of been missing the last sort of like 10 20 years i haven't felt bass like that uh since those clubs are shut
3: Mm. um
0: i don't know i'm trying to remember um yeah, I mean, there, there, uh, you don't get it on uh, in big rooms. I mean, that that kind of really compact pressure is usually you can only get it in in clubs, in smaller clubs, I guess.
1: Yeah, um, for the SPL.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Cedric is.
1: Uh, oh yeah, so for Jodding. the low pass filters, brick wall. Um, but yeah, be careful of linear phase. <laughs> Because when you adjust, uh, when you cut something, it's going to change the phase relationship of the waveform and um, it can actually change the sound of the music, basically.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, let's talk more about bass, man. I mean... The oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about bass. We talk yeah, about bass. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we're together, we're just... <laughs> 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 I like the emotion. I just love the emotion of bass, you know, because it's, uh, cause it's physical. It's a physical part of music. It's something you really feel. yeah. You know, like when you're on the dance floor and you look over to your mate and something just hits and you just look at your mate and you both turn at the same time and go like, <laughs> I, <don't laughs> know, I live, I live for that. I live for that moment. I just absolutely live for that moment.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I I think um a lot of people I mean, we haven't I all of us haven't had this uh massive bass experience for a while now but it mm-hmm. does it does make such a difference you know um some some of the music that that uh, artists like us are doing is is really uh coming to life on bigger systems way more than uh sure. on any other yeah. on any other you know it's it's the whole it's the whole sort of acoustics of the room you know the the way uh mids and highs are kind of uh whooshing through the through the room and then the the bass is just really physical Rebirth. and yeah and a, a really yeah. sort of like a physical uh uh feeling of of uh you know your body vibrating on on uh, on bass frequencies it's it's just a it takes it to another level doesn't it mm,
1: yeah it's okay. a cool sensation
3: yeah
4: i mean for for me like as an instrumentalist like as a drummer it was i think it's definitely the bass that you know that physicality of this music that was just like i felt good there because exactly there is this very it's a it's a physical thing definitely but i mean yeah hopefully we'll be able to do that again soon (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Actually, l- last last week uh, we we had uh, where was it? Last week or two weeks ago? I don't know. We we were discussing bass in the studio, and uh, um, I I have this this thing uh, screwed under one of the seats here, which is called a butt kicker. Have you have you ever used? Yeah. that? Oh, no. no, what's what that?
4: Is that? Yeah, oh, I I yeah, Merlin I know knows exactly. I mean, yeah, of course, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, okay, so it's it's basically a thing that you screw under your seat and it's a it's a, a pretty violent uh, <laughs> tool actually because it comes with a 1000 watts amp and uh and it's 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 basically it's called the silent subwoofer so it's I mean I mean most people are familiar with um, a sub pack, you know, these things you can kind of wear as a backpack which generate bass. I don't know. Have you ever heard of those?
2: Yeah, I've heard of those. Yeah. I've not heard yeah. of the butt
3: kicker.
0: Yeah, also I mean,
2: there's chair as well. There is something to put on the chair, right? Yeah, yeah, the
0: yeah. Cover. Well, yeah, yeah. Any, anyway, so that's a variation of of the butt kicker. But I, th- I I highly prefer the butt kicker over over that one. But it's um, uh, it's basically a thing that shakes your your seat, you know. And uh, drummers use it often on on stage to get the you know their butt kicked, basically.
1: Exactly. Just.
0: It yeah, simulates just,
4: the sub basically yeah
0: yeah. Yeah, it's like um, it, it it the funny thing is how your your mind kind of uh, blends the physical uh, shaking with the the actual tonality of the of the of the bass that is coming from the speaker. So you need like if you if you tune it well, you know, if you tune it real well, well to the the system you're listening on um, you need to get used to it for maybe five minutes, and then your brain automatically kind of glues the two sources together, and it and it just creates a feeling of of having a massive sub in your room. It's just crazy.
2: Do you use it for mixing as well?
0: Yeah, it's actually quite accurate. You know, you can hear things going cool. on. So there's a there's a cutoff frequency you can you can choose. Um, so basically, you should choose the if you use it for mixing you you, you should choose the 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 crossover where your your physical or where your speakers stop reproducing the sound so everything below that will be reproduced by the butt kicker and it goes you know it has no bottom it it has no uh sort of uh uh lowest setting so you can have you have can have it shake at one hertz or something if you want that so so it picks up everything that is in the in the sound so you know if you use your speakers for you know your top range and mid range and bass, but just use the butt kicker for the actual lowest octave. You know the the sub. You can you can uh, actually find things in there which you were you even didn't know they were there. You could you could wow, probably only amazing. see on yeah you could only see them on yeah. analyzers or something, but you can actually hear them or you know detect them when you have the um the butt kicker. Screwed to that's your really scene.
4: <laughs> I mean for drummers it's- For drummers Is is to keep time Basically Because it's like You have Or like the sub You know like the bass Basically gives the tempo So you can just You know Feel it Feel it that way But uh, there's just oh, one thing okay. I, I, I'm not sure That might be the case For you But for like In the drummer world The butt kicker Can also be uh, It can bring back problems But this is for like Touring really? drummers That like Yeah Why? That like really Crank it up Because it just vibrates the seed, so it's like it's it's like. uh, But I I don't know if like how how strong you have it. Maybe it's not not your your case.
0: No, not strong at all. Uh, I I actually haven't don't have it connected now. But uh, the thing is, if it is at such a low setting that it actually has the same energy and the same. uh, yeah the same energy as the the speakers that reproduce the sound so it's not it's it's just barely noticeable it, it's just yeah okay it just yeah. feels so like yeah, a, yeah. yeah it's, it's just like this extra little thing that you you feel uh, in in wow. addition to whatever you hear and uh, and it, it really makes a difference it, it's it makes it more enjoyable as well you know because you, seems, you I'm have that that out, physical
3: for sure. yeah yeah <hand>.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a nice tool. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm scanning the comments, people, so I don't want to ignore you as I always do.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> uh. Actually, I have a watch that does that as well, somewhere in my house, <laughs> that you connect to your, your iPhone or whatever phone, and it will, make, it will basically emulate the sub-base on your wrist. So. Oh, really? Yeah, so when you listen to music, you just feel like well, vibration. But I swear, it's insane. It's amazing. No
1: one's been telling me about these things. It's like, well, I'll bring you know, it to you. Like, yeah, maybe people don't want me to have such things. It's <laughs> <laughs> dangerous.
0: So it's it's turning out to be the bass and distortion uh, edition today. So
2: <laughs> what else? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah
3: you Not know, very surprising. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, what are you, what are what are your favorite distortions, uh, um, uh, Chris? Because you, um, uh, for you know, for the like the, the, the type of uh, bass you in your music, I, I hear a lot of processing and kind of sculpting, sound sculpting. Is it all from the source, or is it like processed after it's coming from the source?
1: Um, processed after the source. So the Emu right. sampler would be the main thing. So I'd make a, I'd make something in a synthesizer or maybe it'll be a sample, usually some kind of synthesizer. Then it'll be mangled in the EMU just to, to an inch of its life. And then a lot of it's to, just to do with resampling through the console. So just keep giving it a little bit of gain on the console. Uh, that's definitely my favorite type of saturation. You know, just, just so the red light on the uh, meter's flashing, so you're just getting that little mm. clip on the top end of the base. And yeah. definitely Sansamp San is my, um, definitely my go-to. Uh, so, the here, so yeah.
0: So you sample something from a synth, you run it through the desk and uh, and then you resample it and then you you repeat that process a couple of times.
1: Exactly, yeah. So, wow. you know, um so make the riff, then the riff goes through the desk, clipped a little bit into the emu, and then in the emu do you use different layers like using the the shelf morph filter to get the real mm-hmm. low end? Um, I'll also do a lot of internal gain as well. That's a really that's an old way in the in the German bass days we used to get yeah, big, know. really loud you know, over yeah, just to over tuning
0: squash the trentians yeah
1: exactly, to get more exactly loudness, yeah exactly yeah and you don't get that um you don't get the square waving which is super cool and then that will mm. then go run through the desk resampled again and retwisted and <laughs> that could happen a multitude of times and then usually like some kind of parallel distortion going on from the Sansamp or uh, a Vermona I use a Vermona unit as well. But mostly, I'd say the desk. Desk is the main that's, thing.
0: That's almost like a, a, a ma- way of work working that, that is uh, common for, for mastering people, you know? Just gain an extra dB with each stage of the of the process. And like, just yeah, just a little much there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah,
1: like layering. Just layering it every time it comes back. Because I remember, like, speaking of the emu, uh, was it Cytomic who wrote the glue plugin in Ableton? They tried, he did a thread on gear slots trying to re-emulate... A plugin that does the emu filters, and after a while they worked out that it was wasn't the emu generating the sound it was the process of constantly going through you know through the converters through the desk hot and back through in just that loop
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know and it's not something that could be replicated with any software yet where our technology hasn't got there yet
0: yeah yeah and it's yeah it's a different process anyway you know you're you're manually yeah. sculpting things um yeah there's' this... also
1: if i'm brutally honest as well it's not really just it's not really about the bass it's about how the bass its relationship to the rest of the music you know the, anyone can make bass stupidly loud yeah but to get that bass to not kill the rest of the music that's the mm-hmm. art you know mm-hmm. you have to you have to look at the bigger you know it's the same in any mixing you have to look at the bigger picture and not specifics how does this bass work in this piece of music that i'm working in
0: yeah it's all context yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah so um uh yeah i I had a question in my head, but I forgot it. I was just <laughs> sidetracked yeah. by the yeah. by the <laughs> comments again. Here, split split radix. What crazy mailing can the EMU sampler do? He's got a he's got a Yamaha, but.
1: It's basically, uh, with the EMU, It's one, it's got these things called Z-plane filters, which have a yeah. very specific sounds. So yeah, they're, they're just magic. And it's just loads of, like, ch- micro-tuning with the LFOs. You've got two LFOs and an assignable envelope. And it's just about getting – the cool thing is they don't sync. So you're just doing everything by ear and then just getting everything modulating in a really interesting way. It's just one of those things sort of like, you know, you hear a sound and it's pre-EMU and you're just like, yeah, cool. And then when it <laughs> comes out the EMU, you just get a big smile on your face and you don't <laughs> know why.
0: So would that be would it be an entire phrase or single notes that you process it that way?
1: Uh whole actually. Yeah, the whole the whole bar of the so oh, you know, wow. it will be okay. the yeah, we might okay. start off with a single phrase, then turn into a riff, then resample the whole riff, and then all the midi gets rejigged and pitched up and pitched down and then resampled and then remodulated. And at some point you just gotta go right that's enough. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Merlin, how do you, how do you um, uh, blend your acoustic sound with your, with your uh, synth stuff? Is there a difference in the type of processing that you use for both?
4: Well, I mean, for you mean like on the production level or in the live?
0: Yeah, I mean, so far we like the the way uh, uh, Chris describes, you know, his his sound sculpting. It's it's basically all uh, electronic sources, right? So, but you have like uh, a live track or multiple uh, live tracks.
4: when i when i pre when i'm kind of focusing more on electronic music i don't necessarily use drum sources actually i'm more i it's more uh drum machine like machine based basically modular mm. and um i mean essentially i just uh, sample myself so i just jam and sample and then i just edit curate just find the best spots and then most of the times, uh, I, uh, yeah, back in the box with uh, different processing there. I mean, it's it's quite straightforward, to be honest, because I'm, I'm more, I really like the compositional that's I what everybody
0: says that. about their own uh, their own thing mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, really that it's, yeah that's that, like, yeah i'm just doing this or that you know it's nothing special <laughs> and, uh,
4: well uh, look i'm gonna be like honest i don't i'm not gonna pretend that it's as uh, sophisticated as what chris is doing because
3: <laughs> <laughs> i mean
4: i'm just like yeah i mean uh, but yeah it's probably more it's probably more complex than 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 i uh, than i'm making it sound like um i don't know but as as far as sampling goes yeah i don't know do uh, you do you
0: build like uh, libraries of your stuff or is it like you you go into the studio record some uh some some of your drum kit and and the processing and then you st- basically turn that into into a track straight away or do you basically archive things and go back to to it later what, what i i
4: yeah more and more archiving, oh, archiving really? things and building okay. yeah and then like and like basically the recording process is a bit more i guess a little closer to the live approach where it's just generating sound and then after Uh, But, you know, I'm not very well organized, which is terrible because, I mean, I just, I should be, but I just end up just scrolling through recordings and just taking, fishing, digging out stuff, and I never take the time to just, you know cleanly cut the things I just go through that's that's what I do essentially I just scroll through my recordings and I'm like oh yeah that sound and I have to open the session and go there and there. and I never learn because I just like isolate it and then I leave it that way but and, yeah and his, I mean essentially, that's, are
0: you the kind of person that keeps everything on your desktop as well
4: No. Okay. okay, I have have a folder. I have a folder called Detop. (laughs) <laughs> and then in that folder there's all this stuff. So my desktop is clean but there's a folder okay, called desktop. Inside inside that folder, that <laughs> desktop folder, there are other folders called desktop.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. Desktop two. <laughs> so like, desktop three. <laughs>
4: yeah, it's like inception of desktop. Old
0: desktop version two. <laughs> <Yeah.
4: laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah, I know it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible.
0: No, whatever works for you, man.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. I do not recommend this to anybody.
0: <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, I mean uh, uh, yeah, you can you can do, you can overdo the, the the systematic archiving, I guess, you know, spend too much time
4: no, but i I do I mean, like I'm exaggerating. I do archive things. I mean, I do mm-hmm. like also like to spend the time to go through it, but I mean, like the thing is that like I think the problem is that the amount of uh material that I generate. Uh, is exceeding the time that I have to go through it. So I just, cause I love so much to just create stuff. So in the end, and when I'm in the kind of a compositional process, it's also quite very much on the feeling. So I'm just, so it's, it's very exploratory, which is just seems to be a bit messy by, by default for me. Mm. But uh, when I have to convert it back into a live version, that's when I have no choice to just clean things up because mm. so I then I isolate better. So, uh, and I do like live sets, like proper like electronic live sets. And that is definitely forcing, yeah. And, and it's it's an interesting process. Like the, the, the first time I was confronted in doing a, a live, like electronic, strictly electronic live set, that's when I realized I was like, "Holy shit! Okay, no, I need to clean up my shit a bit more." <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh,
0: okay, so but, uh, you, yeah,
3: uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So
0: you have these, these. Uh, uh, you split up your your process in different jobs, like creating a live set, creating a track, uh, yes. mixing mixing yes. down your tracks, stuff like that. So how, how is that for you, Irene? Do you how do you organize your different stages of a a project
2: I am very messy as well (laughs) very messy (laughs) like um but I usually like I don't know it's I really would love to just record a bunch of stuff and you know every now and then go pick stuff and start new ideas but I simply can't and I don't know why it's stopping me so I, I start every time something new and it yeah so it's like you mean you follow
0: um, you follow through t- till the end? So you start something and then you, yeah, are, like, you keep would, going until you finished it.
2: Pretty much, yes. Yeah, um, I'm
0: I'm like that as well. Yeah,
2: I w- it would take me like I'm not someone that will come up with a track within like I don't know a track a day or like I I'm very slow like in writing music. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely like committing to a track. Maybe I'll start something else, but I can't like. I'm like you know very scheduled and o c d in a weird way because i'm like o c d when it comes to this, but i'm not o c d when it comes to organizing filing files or like uh desktop as well it's an entire mess um, but yeah that that's pretty much my process like I'll just like start something and yeah. Until it's so, finished.
0: so, so you say it's it's you say th- you say it's it's slow. But uh, what is slowing you down is it? You take time to, to sort of uh, change your stuff around a lot. Like, does one track have many iterations or different versions before you decide you arrived on the the best possible version or the final one?
2: I really lose uh, a lot of time on sound design. Oh, okay. Um, so I will.
0: But that's not waste of time. That's not ever waste of no, time. No, no, no. Of course, <laughs> but
2: this definitely will slow me down. You know, because sometimes right, okay. I really get stuck into like making a sound, you know, sounding as good as I can, and then, you know, that sometimes would take an hour or it would take I don't know two sessions in the studio. So, um, so that would definitely like make me a little bit slower. But then I also like. Somehow, like, I always finish, I always uh, get stuck into harmonizing things as well, um, which, again, it will bring me, like, to, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just getting stuck into my own uh, my own mind, you know, into my own brain, and I'm, like, I just get lost. I think I lose focus and... Um, I need to let the track be resting a little bit and then go back to it maybe like some days after and with the fresh years and start again. Um, on the other hand, sometimes I can ride a track very quick and then it's done and I'm very happy with it. But those,
0: yeah. those are the best ones, aren't they?
2: Totally. The
0: just happen and they're, they're there yeah. all of a sudden, and it's like, hey. Oh, <laughs> and you always I didn't think do it's it.
1: It's like a new day as well. Like, right, I wrote a track in a day, so now from this point forward, I'm always going to write a track in a day. <laughs> and then <laughs> you fall <come> back <laughs> into the old things. <laughs> yeah,
2: That for me will happen like once a year or something. <laughs> that would try, i write a track in a day, and then I'm just stuck into my own loops <laughs> forever. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, yeah I wonder what that is why why sometimes everything just clicks and and things happen really really fast and other times you're just uh breaking your head over over things
2: <laughs> i really think I really think that like music is you know you might all agree with me, but like music is very linked to how we feel and what's like influencing us from the outside world you know it's kind of of a release at least for me so that really influences The speed and how i make my music because sometimes Mm -hmm. i might go through periods that i'm extremely distracted so that obviously like will slow up slow down all of the process sometimes i feel like really upset and and you know i would come up with a track like a noise track in a day there's just like distortion and me screaming but you know it's like i think we really as artists like we're really (laughs) influenced by whatever is happening around us um yeah
0: yeah very true absolutely yeah Yeah.
4: definitely Um, i i have a feeling also sometimes to go with what you're saying is that the more i care the more it's difficult because there's like the emotional attachment is not always you know and sometimes if i don't give a shit I I get the best results where it's, there's like kind of like this nonchalance where I don't mm. overthink it. Basically, uh, I, I guess overthinking yeah. it. So, you know, I don't know if you get that too.
0: Yeah, but I, you know, the way I see it, um, sometimes you, you you indeed you get these uh, periods or moments or days where you are just uh, trying things out and thinking about things a lot and you know trying to come up with systems or working achieving trying to achieve some kind of sound or I don't know, and then. Um, you feel like you're not productive because you haven't actually made anything in you know you even brought a track into the world or something or a piece of music or whatever and then you know at some point you you enter the studio and you basically just shit it out you know like very quickly and it's it's all there and it's like you said in a very careless nonchalant way you know uh but i think you know the moments that you were uh thinking about it the the thinking has been already been taken care of you know like the 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 sort of contemplating and trying things out it's a learning process so you basically went through all that yeah you went through all that just to be able to uh one day come into the studio and and reach that point where you can just let everything go and just do it you know it's true
2: in fact i think i think that is essential like when we are into this process of like making music to actually allow ourselves to have some days where we that we could call them like learning days, you know, where we're just trying to learn new tricks on Ableton yeah. or like just listening, learning a synth. One we pick one synth and just like actually go a little bit in depth about what can do, or you know, like try different routings. And I think this is, as you said, it's like. Uh, if you actually spend time into doing this, like the next day, you will make a track, and you wouldn't even think mm. about it because it's kind of muscle memory in some ways. Mm.
4: Yeah, exactly. I guess you need time to kind of like uh, digest the information that you kind of like. It becomes part of you, and then after you can really put it into practice.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, it's like what you call mise en place in cooking. <laughs> <laughs> you basically prepare everything, you know, or calli- calligraphy, you know, like uh, like the old Japanese way of doing calligraphy is like you sharpen your tools the whole day, you know, and making your ink and shit like that, and preparing your paper, and then when the sun goes down, it's like sch- chorus, done. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this whole like this mental pr- preparation for for the moment where it, it needs to happen. Of course, it's not like so strict and so dramatic as this, but uh, but yeah, I do. I never think. Um, Spending time in the studio just fucking around and uh, not producing anything uh, concrete uh, is never wasted waste of time. You know, it's always valuable mm. in some way.
2: Also for me, it's like a, a sort of, you know, people do meditation or yoga or whatever. Like for me, being in the studio is like the moment I, it's like my moment, you know, where I'm like turning my phone off and I'm there and it's just like, I don't know, I find it really relaxing and you just let out everything. Therapy, yeah, therapy, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, therapeutic base, it should be a thing <laughs> <For> neighbors.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, what else? I mean, we let's talk about uh, uh, tricks to, to get yourself going when you get stuck. Do you ever get stuck, maybe? Uh, Chris, uh, are
1: yeah, you? I- permanently okay
0: what do you do to get unstuck to uh to to get things going again
1: um to be honest with you usually like because i know we've been talking about a lot of technical stuff but for me music is very like it's very emotional yeah and unless i'm really feeling something i can't really do anything so um one trick i've been doing lately actually i've been because i mean um just pulling, like, just learning a lot of music theory, or like pulling, like, I did a, th- a track the other day where I pulled this chord sequence, which was apparently called the saddest chord sequence ever made by um, Vasily Kalininkov. And I just took the, I just took the notes, and then, then I somehow, then I got an emotion, and then I was able to get out of it. That's one that I did recently. But I'm probably the worst person to talk to about being stuck because, yeah, I get, <laughs> I get stuck and then don't do anything for ages, and then, uh, I'll just, uh, okay. and then I'll i'll get a big flash of inspiration and then i'll just work in a day and i'll just make the whole track in a day but i'm just waiting for that moment and it could it could take months to occur
2: yeah i'm the exact same
1: yeah i get stuck really easy usually just through a lack of ideas actually i don't like working when i don't actually have a impetus to want to need to do Mm. it i need to be feeling something otherwise i'm i don't i i can't connect with it
0: Right but doesn't doesn't it work for you like if once you start something you your emotion gets gets evoked by whatever you are doing like you can you yeah, like sort actually. of like uh, kind of force it or um, how do you say yeah
4: it? like- it's like you, you say like in, in French you say l'appétit vient en mangeant like uh, hunger comes while you eat you know mm. while eating
1: yeah yeah, true. Actually, I think my biggest problem is procrastination. I am the worst. <laughs> so basically, every morning I wake up, especially if it's like a studio day. It's like right ten am. I'm getting an in, it mm-hmm. in the studio. Ten am, whole day. <laughs> so I wake up at two, and then like, <laughs>
3: you
1: know, problem, problem solved. Watch, yeah, yeah. Watch like a billion YouTube documentaries on like absolute rubbish, and then ah, <laughs> uh, then it's the evening. Make dinner. And then, yeah, I've, yeah, and then oh, I need to relax a bit after dinner. Then it's 10 o'clock, and then I have so much guilt built up throughout the whole day. I have this <laughs> oh, really creative four hours between sort of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., or sometimes 4 a.m. So I'm always working deep at night. Through through the sheer guilt of wasting the day doing
0: nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would you wouldn't say by the the volume of the of your your catalogue that that you are. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's, just it's, it's just time, though. It's just the amount of years. Yeah. Okay. okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, but I think I, I've learned some tricks during the over the years that will, even if I'm not in the mood, will will get me in the mood. You know, uh, just by uh starting something or you know just without a plan of making actual music just uh you know say to yourself "Hmm, let's explore this synth today you just go really in depth on 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 this and this machine or or create a chain that you you can you can uh, kind of predict that something will come out of it which you haven't heard before haven't tried before just a just a game you know and and then uh, and usually so, um, something happens that sort of, you know, uh, in, invokes my imagination and like I'll just go, go on the ride. Yeah, just uh, and yeah, see what
4: happens. I, I'm, ex- I'm exactly like, I can totally relate to this. I'm the same. I do the same it's thing. It's actually
1: really good fun, isn't it? Just to go into the studio with absolutely no preconceived idea that I'm going to do anything. Just go, you know what? I'm just going to have fun today. I'm just going to play around with some stuff. And if yeah. goes, goes somewhere I mean, play, cold, playfulness, playfulness
0: or a playful, yeah. playful attitude is probably one of the most productive uh, um, attitudes you can have. You know, In, if you if you demand too much from yourself, you know, if you are too demanding and mm. too uh, too too much focused on the idea that you sh- you should be productive or you should deliver something by the end of the day, uh, it can it can be. Uh, I think it, it's mostly uh, killing the vibe rather than giving you totally uh, giving you like uh, a reason to do something. I mean, if you if you let all of that go and and just uh, enter the studio, yeah, yeah, enter the studio and just you know play around, just play, you know, just do fun yeah, it stuff. It doesn't have to be a job.
3: In
2: exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. That, <laughs> that has been my sorry, Marilyn. <laughs> I'll so. Go for it. Go for it. Go for no, it. No, no, no. Please go. No worries.
4: No, I'm. am just gonna say that this is gonna transpire one way or another into the music. So if you, if you're playful about it, the music is gonna be like, you know, more and if you're adventurous, just kind of yeah. stressed about, yeah. yeah, exactly, it's gonna it's gonna have that like contrived. So I think it's it's uh, definitely I love playfulness. That's
1: like the mantra, you know, <laughs> we
4: should have it like <laughs> yeah. on the wall. <laughs> Please. Cause we have modes,
1: don't but, we? We have certain modes. You know, like, you know some days we're in an anal- analytical, technical kind of mode. And then other days we're in a much more musical playing around kind of mode, you know, because um, it's funny when I'm sitting here, like I keep agreeing to everything, even though because music is such a contradiction and we are always contradicting ourselves in the way that we approach things. You know, I, mm. like I say, uh, yeah, I've agreed with everything. because I, I do both. <laughs> Because, yeah, we yeah. have different modes and different days. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. For,
1: for sure. sure, for sure,
0: for sure. I think I think Irene wanted to say something.
2: No, I was just about to say that that, that was um, linked to uh, what Marilyn was saying. Um, that was, like, my biggest struggle. Like, uh, the first years I started writing electronic music, I was like, I needed to be productive. I wanted to write as many tracks as possible. And that would actually stop me from actually creating something that was mm. me, you know, because I was like so focused on creating uh, I don't know, I wanted really to make techno tracks and then I was like, okay, I'm going to make techno, but I realized throughout the years that probably techno is my weakness like in writing techno, you know, and I just, I'm just like starting to let this go and become a bit more relaxed to what my sound actually is, because with the years the more you become relaxed and the more like your artistic persona comes through, you know? Um, Yeah, that's what I want to say.
0: Yeah, that kind of stuff. uh, I mean, it's a a good strategy is just to let things emerge rather than to force them out.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Deep stuff, people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Also, find sort of limitations are really good as well. Like forcing yourself to work in a certain way, or setting like um, like what we did the Irene the other day with the, remember the time limit, setting the timer like right one hour, bang, you've got to get mm-hmm. from point A to point C in one hour, regardless of how you get there. And I find that can be quite um, liberating sometimes as well. Just setting I'm, I'm, very I'm, strict limitations. Yeah, I'm addicted to that. As you can see, the yeah. the
4: timing, the sand. I mean, I do that all the time. Uh, yeah. Good, good I I box my my time because or else like I mean, you just uh, probably end up uh, at least as time as far as time goes. I, I waste a lot of energy. It's like it's been four hours, and I'm like yeah, exactly. uh, you know, so like yeah. if you if you limit yourself. But I think like this this philosophy what you're talking about, Chris, can also go in uh, in the setup, you know, or like in the instruments that you're using. Like these limitations yeah, can definitely phenomenal. you know like absolutely or, or like just yeah. the fact to reduce what you're using will just kind of make you focus on and then probably bring things that you wouldn't do if you'd have like a hundred instruments or whatever
1: i really like working on that old idea of like work fast and then refine you know get the initial idea out very quickly like i hate to when yes. i'm writing i hate to lose the vibe i don't yeah. want to i don't want to sit there worrying about stuff i want to write a piece of music like and, totally you know and then when i'm having a day when that creative part of my brain isn't working so well then i'll tap into the the te- technical sound bit is, and then do something yeah, yeah and do yeah. something more on that side so i saw a question came up mm. about
0: yeah about separating jobs yeah does.
1: yeah i yeah. kind of find it's integrated you know like i'm kind of like writing music doing sound design and thinking of the mix all in all in one go it's not they're not separate processes
0: yeah maybe not entirely separate but um but there is there is a moment where you are uh refining the mix and when you are uh, i mean the sound design sound uh, is, has been a part of the uh or the mixing has been part of the sound design and and the composition and everything of course but uh there is a moment where you are just purely focusing on uh on getting the best out of the mix down right or the the, the final the final sound of the track
1: yeah, I definitely have like a separate mix down session at the end, but the mix yeah, is kinda yeah, exactly. happening, isn't it, as you're designing the sounds. Like yeah. the mix is only as good well, as it's, the, it's, uh, it's, the material.
4: It's, it's part of the but I guess the mix is also a voice in itself, right? Mm. It's part of the the musical
1: Yeah, it's a very creative expression Yeah, You know, yeah. like even you know, even like say something as boring as a compressor can be highly emotional, you know, like for example if you have a fast attack you know you'd be burying burying like the symbols deep into the track and losing a little bit of that pump mm. keeping it quite burying the drums and letting the music come forward or you use mm. a slow attack and then the punch comes forward and you get a more energetic sound so even mm. something as boring as a compressor can actually be quite emotional yeah
3: yeah compressors yeah, not talk- like
1: boring <laughs>
0: I, know, I love them <laughs> yeah but it's not an it's not built as an expressive tool I think maybe that's what you mean right it's a, yeah. it's built as a as a yeah, it's a, a tool yeah. to control sound rather than yeah. To, mm. yeah. yeah
1: yeah it can be highly emotional
0: yeah it <laughs> could, be, could be a nice t-shirt <laughs> compression and bass yeah,
2: compressors,
1: compressors have emotions too
2: yeah <laughs> Get intimate with your
1: compressor <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Talking about limitations, that's that's really the the the, the whole idea about uh, the way uh, this place has been set up, you know. So uh, there's there's a shitload of gear, but uh, for every project, uh, there is uh, there's like a, a, a setup built just for that project, you know, just for that session, and that really narrows down the the possibilities and makes you work harder with with the available gear. Of course you can cheat and add something to the uh, something else to the chain to you know expand the the, the vocabulary or the, the the palette or whatever but it is a way to to start with with a very simple uh yeah a very simple setup with not too much uh room to move you know so you have to basically work hard and and you are are basically forced to focus on on just the stuff that has been set up uh, and and the 9 out of 10 times, that proves way more productive than to have everything at your availability all the time, you know?
4: Totally.
1: Yeah, because yeah, We have um, so many options nowadays in writing music, don't we? Like in the mid-90s, you just had you just had what you could afford, real minimal kit, and you knew it intimately. But now with the yeah. onset of plug-ins and time, you yeah. accumulate equipment. And it's, yeah, it, get, it can get quite overwhelming with the amount of options that you sure. have yeah. nowadays.
0: Yeah, I mean one. I mean you're you're uh, experienced in working in samplers, you know. I mean in the the f- the first affordable samplers for a couple of years, were, you know if you had like two megabytes, that was a lot. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Uh, and and, and, you, and everybody made like entire tracks just using that. A small yeah, amount the, of space available. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two,
0: Actually, it's it, it for me. It shaped a lot of my productions because, for example, you know, some some line melody lines or bass lines or whatever just came out of the fact that I only had like point two seconds left, oh, exactly and, the same. <laughs> and that's and that you know <laughs> yeah. just you tune it down, tune down like a percussion thing so low that it, it suddenly sounds like a bass, you know, with very little yeah. resolution, but still very chunky, and you know that that you know basically caused some of the you know writing decisions just b- because it was just the only thing available you know
1: it's like mm-hmm. now no, no, everything's possible isn't it everything's possible now whereas before yeah. you're always limited
0: yeah s2000 actually my first sampler was an s or an x7000 or oh, x700 wow, yeah. the one with the keyboard and then i had an s900 and i think the 902 meg or i don't know oh you like
1: tiny little screens yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> i don't yeah. know even know how i made music back then when i look at the equipment when you
0: think back yeah it, i mean yeah. It's, it's a it's a it's it's a battle against uh, the limitations really you know um uh, but yeah, the yeah, music yeah actually jspot so was good. Uh, there was on a Spot was in 95 i think maybe that was a 900 or a thousand or i think an 1100 by that time um yeah I, I recently or not recently but a few years ago i i was in a music shop and um they had like they got like all the stuff from a, another studio with, which went bankrupt and there was this uh s612 sampler from akai you know the one with uh the weird floppies
1: oh yeah like the yeah. two-sided
0: the two-sided and it's um <laughs> It's a really amazing tool. I got it for free because nobody wanted it. So it's and it's we, it's one of my favorite tools ever.
1: That's so you know, it's so
0: crunchy. Got, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's. I believe it's 12 bit, but it's got uh, it's got a filter and it's got uh, uh, vibrato and you know stuff that you know it yeah. wasn't built for loops or anything. But the cool thing about it is that you you have these two sliders for the to set the start point in the end point of the of the sample. <laughs> And if you if you put it in, I don't know what I don't know, there's one mode where you can actually um, play play the scan through the sample like a granular synth, you know, there's one mode where you can just use the sliders to uh, to basically slowly move through the through the sample, like scrubbing,
4: scrubbing through Yeah, scrubbing. Yeah. And if you have
0: the, the the top slider, which is the start point. Uh, further to the right than the the lower one which is the endpoint, the, the sample starts to play backwards so all these like real-time wow. crazy things are possible with ah, it yeah. Wow. Yeah, awesome. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's awesome
4: amazing that sounds amazing yeah yeah it's
0: yeah and I've, I've really only used it for that kind of weird stuff you know so I don't use it as a full uh sampler but it's um, it's a really nice uh, uh, sound design tool it's fun to work with And everything that you put into it sounds better for some reason.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that kind of got lost in it with the onset of like DAW uh, samplers. The art of sampling isn't such a thing in our culture anymore. You know, I don't really sample like I used to. You know, just resampling that it's not the same as like, you know, you go around a friend's house and suddenly you hear a little sound in a movie and you're just like, I've got to get that sound. And then you hear a whole track, you hear a whole track in your head, Yeah. you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, cool. Let's uh, see if anybody in the comments has specific questions for uh, any of our guests today. Oh, yeah, Casio. Anybody ever owned a Casio SK-1? That's a chunky one as well. Really nice lo-fi sampler.
1: Yeah, I can't tell I have. Mm. Um,
0: Just scrolling through. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yes and again i'm bringing split radix all, all the time but he's got this studio 440 which is amazing i mean that's one of my dream uh uh things to sometime you know to get some time it's uh i think i believe it was used by uh, mentronics back in the day
1: what makes you um really want that what's i' the know, characteristic just, of it um it,
0: well it's it's uh, it's terribly lo fi and uh it's it's insanely limited and and just the look of it of the of the machine itself is just uh, it's basically gear <laughs> yeah. porn you know what i mean <laughs> 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 and some of my favorite records were made with it in the early nineties so uh, that's all uh okay so what else just what else guys what which else can we bring up I'm a bit of out of uh, questions, to be honest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I recently started using, um, actually, it's been a year, I think, um, a tape machine to oh. process everything. Um, I actually use it as a distortion unit as well, and it sounds amazing. What is but it, I'll like a cassette,
0: cassette tape or um,
2: reel-to-reel? Or, um, uh, yeah, reel. yeah, it's a four-track Yamaha. Uh, it's the MT4, uh, what's the name, Chris? <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So it was the, yeah. The Yamaha, was it? The Yamaha MTX4.
2: MTX4, okay. yeah. 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 So I would just like root um, my drums, for example, like when I record drums, so I would just like record the kick into it and just add the distortion and resample that, or I will root a synth and just record everything into it and play with the pitch so it's pretty interesting like it's uh i guess it's my new um tool that i forgot to mention earlier like
0: yeah tape is really versatile for um actually the cool thing about it is that most people think you get to in interesting territory when you when you overdrive it but recording something really low is also worth trying
2: yeah you mm. know
0: so you get like the extra layer of hiss and then less resolution in the in the recording so That's you know ver, very very low recording yeah. levels you you bring up an entire sort of world of uh, stuff that is not supposed to be there <laughs> but gives yeah. the, the gives the whole thing a lot of character
1: one thing i quite enjoy Kern. with those um those four tracks is you know when you put in a recorded tape and then bring up all the channels, and then you get one side playing backwards and then the other side playing forwards. Mm-hmm. I and love you can, that. Yeah, you can the play the yeah it gets so weird. So you go down the market and buy a bunch of obscure tapes and then uh, just see where it takes you.
2: Yeah, yeah. you're giving me like a really <laughs> good idea. Lots of stuff
1: to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to the market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you no, use any actually... tape, Chris? Oh, sorry.
1: Um, well, I sold my tape machine to Irene. <laughs> oh, okay. it's yours. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> I was like, he didn't yeah. want to sell it. And every time we would go to the studio, I was like, Chris, like, <laughs> what about this tape machine? I was like, no. <laughs> so eventually he in.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't using it enough. Um, I was trying to sort of, I think I got it for a couple of reasons, like mostly to do that weird reverse Tape thing, you know, when one side plays backwards, one place and then the other side is playing forwards. And I also wanted to really get that kind of Memphis hip hop sound you know, that super lo-fi cassette mm. sound. But mm. but the, the audiophile part of my brain just rebelled, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I, just couldn't get, I just couldn't get into it in the end.
0: Well, you know, it's it's just another texture, you know. So if if you if you're not down with. Uh, running everything through it you can just uh, uh use it to run some stuff through it to get create contrast in your in your palette you know in um mm. i think it's a really good tool yeah. to yeah just not everything needs to come go through tape you know in, in a track yeah. you can just have one one sound or a bunch of sounds going through it
1: that's oh, so was really glad to see irene buy it because she's smashing it on that machine um yeah it's, it's getting it's getting the love it deserves
0: <laughs> nice one it's in good hands yeah. yeah. Nice for one. Sure. <laughs> and what about you Merlin, have you
4: ever experimented with tape? Yes, 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 I have two tape machines. I uh, I I haven't done the low thing, the low volume. I'm definitely going to try that. Yeah, uh, and I love to uh yeah, basically use it in a creative and and like the compression of tape is also very interesting and I and I went into the rabbit hole of finding all these different tapes oh yes with different uh, yeah you know because they have like different things i don't know all these forums and i'm not sure really if i could really hear what the the difference but it sounded good so and i found it also uh, on parallel uh so basically uh, running it through the tape and then uh, layering it with the more like digital version of that same signal which also created with panning and stuff like that so yeah
0: I've yeah tape people, is great uh, yeah, I see people mentioning slow speeds of course. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. The cool I mean it's, so yeah. th- it's uh it's something people usually don't realize but if you slow something down inside a computer or in any in a digital domain you lose resolution and and things become crunchy and and sort of mm. less less defined. But if you slow d- down tape it you know it it basically becomes more uh uh, th- there's more information you know because there's no resolution yeah.
1: is there there's yeah yeah
0: nice and steps. it's like it's like yeah. you know we're looking through a magnifying glass you know you could see you can sort of discover all these details you were you didn't think were there in really high resolution it's amazing
4: mm-hmm.
1: yeah the yeah. harmonics uh, content yeah. is very rich yeah yeah exactly yeah. like the yeah. sound of like a uh, tape echoes when it's slow sounds amazing when you get that lo-fi and the way that the delay tails start to break up you know that classic yeah. And a tape echo, oh yes, so good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tape is a whole, a whole other thing. Yeah. The thing is, Inter- like,
1: you know, working with tape in the recording studios, um, in that transition point between tape and um, hard disk recording machines, that's kind of what got me a bit annoyed with tape. Like, my experience of working with tape was always just like, oh god, here we go again. You know, like having to rewind and calibrate and yeah, to but just beautiful, man. That. It's just you know. <laughs>
0: it's like you know you hit like the rewind button on tape and you just have to wait you know for like <laughs> two minutes or whatever it's i love that wait you know it's like watching the wheels go um you know
2: yeah
4: yeah yeah there's and yeah there's yeah
2: it's like magical like going back to you know like the roots of like
0: yeah you can use the rewind yeah. time to or the or the the transport times to, or as thinking time or as uh you know just switching your brain to to something else you know if you
3: yeah.
0: if you are um uh you know constantly if everything is constantly available like you just have to point at it and it'll it'll start playing you know that's how doors work or you know sins, whatever but um you're always on you never sort of take a breath or whatever and tape is such a you know uh, it has some some limitations of, of speed and stuff and it but it, I, I like the the sort of calmness it, it introduces in the process you know
1: mm. I do find sort of like modern DAWs W's always in like they're kind of rushing you it's always about like trying to make things as fast as possible but yeah I do like making music in a slow way because mm-hmm. my brain doesn't work as fast as Ableton, for example. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> load, load, you know, loading, re- you know, re retracking something through a desk or trying to find, like, the perfect chord or something, you know, it, it's nice to just let it unfold slowly, you know, instead yeah. of it's yeah. this rushing.
2: Yeah, that's... Uh, when that's when I was studying... Sorry, Merlin. No, no, you go, <laughs> was... you
4: go, you go, you go. <laughs> that was
2: exactly what I was trying to say earlier. Like, uh, you know, sometimes this is why it takes so long because I'm, I'm just, like... You know, trying to find the right chord or, like, harmony. And it just takes loads of time sometimes, you know. So, yeah, that's it. That was my comment. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I, I wanted to say I just remembered when I, st- when I was studying at the conservatory in Montreal in the electroacoustic composition, they, we had a class where it was uh, entirely based on tape. And we were editing. We were basically composing with tape oh, yeah. and creating the loops with the crossfade, with the little... You know, and having, trying to find, oh, yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm a drummer. So like, I love, I, grooves, teach I love week. rhythm. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. I, mean, I was, like I was, I was
4: to. trying to find the, 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 you know, the loop that like grooves, you know, like, cause if you're just doing like more like ambient sounds, it's fine. But like to create like a groovy loop, like by cutting it. Oh my God. Really? Are you do what do you, do you have, how, what's your, what's your, what are you going to do in your class um, that you're teaching or?
1: So basically getting everyone to go to to like a market, get get an old tape and then cut it into a tape loop and then reinsert that tape loop into the cassette and then stick that into yes. the four track machine. And obviously you don't have a lot of tension, so it kind of wobbles and does all kinds of weird stuff. And then from the yeah. tape machine, it just goes out to like a load of like effects, like echo or reverb, things like that. And it's, yeah, it's just such a cool way to make music, isn't it? Because you don't know what you're going to get. Completely, completely. Yeah. Yeah. And then
4: like also to find the spot you know you're like you know like yeah. like the transients i was
1: like always hunting transients so it was like unrepeatable you know, was, like, moments aren't they because it's so random yeah. it's like generative music
4: yeah and it's there's like a meditation yeah,
2: this is kind really of making cool, me yeah. to think about like the way you can do glitch with records you know when you like split one record and you would play oh yeah
1: the, the maria chavez kind of yes voice.
2: Yeah, that, yeah that one yeah
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Do you, do, have you ever heard of uh, what's his? I think his name is Christian Marclay.
1: Oh yeah, did you see the video when he was making the? Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, dragging guitars from the back of his pickup truck and. What it, no, in I the never museum? seen that. No,
0: he did. He did. Yeah. Um, he was. He was doing exclusive, uh, exclusively vinyl sets at some point. You know, like uh, having four four record players, um, and they were actually really old school ones with speakers in them. You know, and uh, but he had you know basically. He had like drilled holes in records, you know, to make them uh, uh, concentric, you know, and, uh, you know, um Playing them at insane speeds, you know, putting stickers on them so they would loop, you know, and playing them backwards, forwards, whatever, you know. But he made like the most incredible compositions. He was really fast as well, you know. Like, and you wear pr- pr- them pr- like pr- a
1: guitar, wouldn't he? You wear the top oh yeah, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. The that.
3: Strap. yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> did you see the um, what is it? The Museum of Impossible Instruments that he in, that he did, where he built a drum kit that's sixteen foot high, the stands <laughs> yeah. are sixteen foot high, and guitars <laughs> with rubber necks, and yeah, yeah he called it the Museum of Impossible Instruments.
0: Yeah awesome yeah. stuff yeah. yeah there's there's a lot of th- things you can do with uh with vinyl just uh, by uh, by putting you know making it loop at some points you know same as with uh, finding ta- finding um uh, uh you know random stuff from from cassettes like you said like you're doing in your yeah. class you can do the same you can
1: can you make it jump and yeah it just, just, put, a sticker, yeah, just uh,
0: put a sticker on it and have it loop yeah. in one uh, just have it make circles instead of uh uh spirals basically cool yeah, um, I mean, yeah, we're nearing uh, two hours, people. So maybe we should move into the into the uh, plug your your project uh, uh, section, <laughs> 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 or unless anybody in uh, in right. the comments is uh, uh, interested in uh, dropping their last questions, please please do it now. Uh, I've been uh, faithfully ignoring everybody in the comments, although I do. So- <laughs> um, anyway, so. Ah, okay. There we go. What's everyone's respective favorite polyphonic synth? Okay, um, Irene, you start.
2: Oh, mine is the Juno Six and the Virus as well. Uh, I got Virus T.
0: Can you do two? Can we only do one?
2: One Juno Six. <laughs>
0: okay, <forever>. okay.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Chris,
0: I see, I see. Um, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, um, it's actually yeah, my latest synth. Actually, it's the with the uh, the Mega FM that's got the that it's like an fm synth that uses sega mega drive chips
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: and it's basically because it was the cheapest polyphonic synth that i could um you know it was like 500 euros and i absolutely love it it's just so grainy and digital sounding so yeah that's my favorite new polyphonic synth for the moment i'm i'm still
0: thinking so uh, uh maybe uh, uh merlin go first yeah,
1: I, I don't know i'm also still
4: thinking it's, oh. it's for me it's am looking around question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, honestly polyphonic synth. I, I, I'm not even sure I own the one that I uh but uh, I'll have to get back to you on that one because yeah. I can't I can't I can't uh I can't answer this at the moment. Yeah. Caught me, me off guard here. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> actually actually I see um uh, the question about monitors, but that's one thing I actually wanted to uh I'll ask all of you um, bass distortion people, uh, what kind of studio monitors do you use? Because I mean, if there's so much effort going into sculpting bass, what is the what is the system you're referencing on, um, Chris?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just I'm using head uh, head sevens at the moment, but I definitely want to upgrade to something like even you know go up a tier into a much bigger range. I quite like speakers that make you work hard for the bass. Actually, you know, like right. Um, when I had my when I had um, a previous studio, where I could be stupidly loud. It was actually really it was it was too much. It was my tunes are coming out really bass like because I had my subs going. So now I like not having the bass, so I have to work hard to make that bass big on the small speakers. Mm.
0: You mean you n- not having the sub? Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if you can right. hear it on the small speakers, you can hear it, and I like to work very quiet, yeah, almost to the point that you could hear the keyboard tapping. Yeah. If you can make it sound big when it's that small. It's going to sound monstrous when it's loud. At least that's yeah, not
0: exactly. I mean, that's the trap with uh, with uh, amazing monitors in studios. Um, you know, everything sounds good, and you you settle uh, much much earlier on. You know, you think everything yeah. sounds amazing because it just it sounds amazing in the studio. But once you start, uh, you know, checking it on other other systems, you know, you, you realize that a lot of things are still.
1: Well, I've got this um, uh, this perfect limiter called my my angry elderly neighbour. <laughs> um, <laughs> which prevents me from going loud because I'm I'm too much, when, I, when I have infinite volume it just I'm uh, yeah I'm an enemy to myself. Wow,
0: I mean uh, it's it's incredible that you get all that sound going uh, to, by by listening to everything so quiet. It's, it's yeah insanely
1: really, um, quiet. Like for example, setting compressors, you know, you can set them up really well if you turn them really quiet to the point point you mm-hmm. can barely hear them because the only thing you hear then is the transient.
0: Yeah. Cool. What about you, Irene? What's, uh, what do you monitor on?
2: I got the Focal Alpha 65. Oh. Um, I see Marilyn has the same as well.
4: And did, did you get the, the, and I just the got Yamaha? The Yamaha. I yeah, I yeah, just I got the them, yeah.
2: Yamaha um, HS80 as well, which I just got them. So I, I don't have really a clear opinion on those. The <laughs> 80 the, or the 8? Is it the
0: 8? Eight? 80, the old
2: 80, ones, okay.
0: yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Um, oh, nice. Okay.
2: I read that they have more bass, <laughs> but but yeah no, I love the Focals. I think they're, they're the best monitors, and I used to have like the um, Adam A Seven X, the oh, yeah. uh, Event Oppo, uh, but out of all of this, the Focals are definitely my favorite.
0: Yeah, it's hard to tell. Too, I mean, people are always interested: what monitors do you use? But it's so dependent on the room you are and and your your <laughs> yeah, personal sure. taste yeah. and and the way you listen you know do you want to listen to stuff loud or do you want to listen to it quietly it's 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 really it's it's almost impossible to give people advice you know the best thing is just to uh to get a pair and just try them out in your in your room
1: yeah Yeah. i visited um i visited eve audio a couple of years ago i went to their anachoric chamber and they were doing you know doing speaker measurements and it was shocking they set up a speaker on a stand in the anacharic chamber uh there was it was it goes to show you what resolutions these speaker companies use. They flatten the resolution quite a lot. they go, oh, it's a flat curve. It's like, well, of course it is at the resolution you're using. And then, um, what, well, what they did, he, uh, Roland at Eve, he set up a, a, a literally a plank, just a very small plank of wood in front of, between the speaker and the monitor. And there was a 20K dip at 5K in an anechoic chamber. So imagine, what, yeah, with one wooden plank between the, 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 the microphone and the speaker in an anechoic chamber with no one in it. So yeah. imagine what your room is doing, and you sitting in that room. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's very dependent on the room. I mean, the smaller the speakers are, mm-hmm. the less the room plays uh, plays into the equation. But it's still, uh, it they, they can be shit in one room and amazing in another room. So it's uh, it's nothing, <laughs> nothing. Uh, uh, it's I, I hard think to give if advice. if you know
4: your if you know your room and you know your speakers, or exactly. you know that's it, that's also yeah.
3: Yeah, I've seen some guys
4: phone. work in, in, in terrible conditions or what, you know, one might consider, but they know their the environment and they can just do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. If you if I mean, if you use, have a pair of monitors, you don't give up on, on them too easily. You know, just get to know them really well and move them around, you know, mm. make different. I mean, positioning of is, is also a big thing. Sure. Yeah, and so, if once you once you find a spot that you, that you consider uh, well good enough to actually judge what's going on, then it's fine. That's what monitors are for. I mean, mm. if you want to really enjoy sound and just for listening pleasure, you know, you can you can get a hi fi system in some uh, <laughs> some uh, you know i don't know listening room or whatever but monitors are really just there to tell you what's going on you know what are, what are mm. you what are you actually listening to so
2: i also uh, like to have um you know also look at the spectrum like just serve as a reference right sometimes like you know like i just moved flat so i i don't really know my room well but i don't um i guess you've got a favorite one me- you use for that uh, I, I used to see span like right pre-plugged in and it's very useful you can check the mono and everything um but yeah like I, I really like to analyze the actual spectrum of frequencies of my tracks to make sure that there are no like guts you know from what i'm listening to actually from my speakers to what actually it is so yeah mm.
0: cool nice 10 o'clock CET. <laughs> let's do the let's do the we, we can talk forever if we uh, especially if base distortion uh, monitors or, uh, i'd love to uh but let's let's keep this uh around two hours because otherwise it won't fit the, the our podc- podcast podcast uh, hosting platform <laughs> if we go over too much um anyway uh so uh anything you want to share with uh, the audience that you have coming up anything to plug Irene?
2: um yeah actually um next month i'm gonna like finally launch my uh, collectives label which is called under my feet and it's going to be a tape label and the first release is me and chris so it's going to be a collaborative ep it and- already
0: exists right i mean it's 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 got a Bandcamp page. Right?
2: yeah yeah because we've been releasing um we've been releasing live on tapes because my collective uh we- we do well. we used to <laughs> do events in London. And um, from these events, which are all only live sets, we would pick, you know, some sets that kind of blow, blow our minds and just like release them as live on tapes. So that's why he has a bank account <laughs> because we've been like selling. Um, so yeah, Drew McDowell and Hero Cone limited edition tapes. So yeah, this is the new. That is making me really excited.
3: Cool.
0: So Finally. are you? You are actually selling physical tapes then, or is, yeah? Are they okay? Nice.
2: Yeah, cool. yeah, and it's coming out on the twenty eighth of May. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Cool. And you have a, a, a an artist artist band camp page as well with your your music.
2: Yeah! Yeah! Yeah!
0: okay I, I think Sandra is uh, frantically looking it up in the in the background <laughs> and posting <laughs> the link in the chat so um okay cool anything else um we should know about you want uh people to know about you like promote anything coming up stuff you're working on <laughs>
2: <laughs> guys <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh is it is, is it about us now or oh, I thought it was fine. Yeah, oh in. sorry
0: yeah, yeah, I, 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 I sometimes forget you know when I'm yeah. looking at somebody's face they can actually they can actually sorry <laughs> so,
3: <laughs>
0: okay let's let's uh let's move to uh, to Merlin then what you got going on uh
4: so there is uh
0: the in, <laughs> in I, t- I, told, the I told you I told you in advance I'm a terrible host man
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're great. no the host you're of the great. mice <laughs> Uh,
4: so yeah, there's a Sorcery EP that's coming out uh, very soon um, and uh, it's going to be uh, probably announced in the next uh, few, uh, hopefully, week or two. And um, it's coming out on the Bedouin uh, Records and uh, I'm really excited about that. There's also an amazing music video that uh, I just can't wait to share with all of you guys. So that's uh, with Sorcery and with uh, the drum stuff, I uh, just completed what we were talking about with the AI machine learning uh, visuals, um, like 30-minute performance with visuals reactive and everything that also is coming out uh, as uh, it's going to be premiered uh, on FACT and then it's going to be available, the music is going to be available on Bandcamp this is going to be in may also mid early may so awesome yeah that's that's enough i think <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, are, there, are there any
0: plans to actually perform this uh, this uh, av thing once uh, once the stages are
4: opening absolutely up? absolutely that and would be awesome, uh, with yeah. sorcery too oh actually yeah it's true with sorcery i am doing uh, i'm playing uh, next week at her uh, with uh, with irene
2: Oh yeah!
0: Oh, nice, 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 nice. <laughs> yeah, doing, I'm sorcery, not uh, How could
4: you forget play? about it?
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm actually Whoops. not playing, but it's my show. Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, I thought you were playing. I thought. No, it's
2: my uh, demo. Demo is playing. Yeah, couple.
4: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, a sorcery uh, live set at Irene's uh, show, which she's not playing, but uh, <laughs> it's it's your it's it's for under my feet, right? So
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, awesome. Four for me. Oh. Is it on the
4: fourth? I don't
2: know.
4: <laughs>
0: or the 7th? Well, know I guess I anyway. guess everybody knows where to find uh, her, you know, so it's Yeah, um,
2: exactly. Yeah, just it's keep, a, keep an
0: eye on that. On the 6th. Okay. On the 6th. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, first three lives at that,
1: that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
0: Nice one. Uh Chris.
1: Uh yeah, um last week I just released um an EP under my other alias called Dot Products, which is with my good friend Adam Winchester. We've just done a collaboration EP with uh, Japanese legends, KK Null. Uh, that just came out last week. Um, I've got, yeah, the collaboration EP with Irene. And uh, after that, also have another collaboration EP with Cocktail Party Effect on Picnic Records, which is going to come out in the next few months. Uh, what so oh, yeah, I'm going to relaunch my old drum record, and bass record label from like, 10 years ago oh, with nice. a load of techno remixes of the old drum and bass tracks you know it had Sorcery on it Irene Headless Sourceman Kyoka, all remixing my old drum and bass catalogue and then it'll go into sort of like more KSP centric material and um, hopefully an album and also got a um, collaboration coming up soon um, a, a 360 ambisonics project with a with a jazz pianist called Dan oh, man I
0: totally forgot to ask you about that yeah fuck uh. oh yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah tell, me, tell, tell us about it yeah
1: well actually this ties in with the bass thing so basically what we have is um um so it's all tied up with genelec and we have um uh, 16 uh, 16 bass bins from the unit uh, unit 137 sound system from london it's one of the most insane dub sound systems we just have the scoops for the bass and then we have a, an umbrella over the top with um like 29 speaker umbrella doing the 3d ambisonics so you're getting two sensations you're getting the 3d but then you're getting being hit by this dub sound system in a big circle. Fucking hell. And it's pretty, pretty, <laughs> in, pretty intense.
0: That sounds pretty really violent.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing experience because it's 360 and you've got this omnidirectional dub sound system and it's in a little roundhouse, so it's all in very close proximity. And, uh, yeah, we've got to collaborate another project coming up at the end of the year where we're going to be collaborating with Dan Samsara, who's a jazz pianist. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. We had a big, massive performance lined up May last year, but obviously Corona cancelled it, and then we did YouTube 360 instead.
0: That sounds wicked, man yeah it sounds like a hell of an experience <laughs>
1: oh it's so much it's just it's just kind of just so much fun it's just because it's so obnoxious
0: <laughs> yeah and the way the way the way you produce the sound there is it it's it's a performance right it's a yeah. live dub live live performance kind of uh yeah, it's perf-
1: kind of half live and it's kind of half programmed a lot of the 3d mapping is actually done in advance it's actually right. really crude because the mapping is done on one laptop and then the music is coming from another computer, and you have to actually count at the same time and hit the laptops at the s- play buttons at the same time. <laughs> Old school. <laughs> and then, it, yeah, and then it, plays, it just plays through a load of ADATs, and then the ADATs then get transferred into the uh, ambisonic system and spatialized. And then it's like live dub mixing on top of that. But to be honest with you, it kind of works better as an installation than it does as a live performance. People just want to mm. walk around and experience it. And it, it, the, yeah. more, the more installation like it is, the better it seems to come across. Right. and a live set so to speak
0: yeah it's like always the same uh, the same issues with with multi-channel audio there's there are you know it's nice if people can kind of choose their own spot you know um yeah. And if there's too many people competing for space in a room you know some people will miss out on the on the full experience it's nicer if you can just uh kind of find your own position and and you know find your yeah. own listening yeah
1: from an artistic point of view as well it's so easy to get carried away you kind of get nervous in the moment especially with such a powerful system before you know it Mm -hmm. you're just looping things in massive circles and (laughs) it doesn't sound that good so it's kind of good to sort of pre map everything in advance
0: yeah 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 because yeah and i i know what you're saying because once you've done that once you've like actually circled the sound in the room you know you've basically gave away yeah everything (laughs) you (laughs) you know that's that's pretty much the trick you know so yeah okay yeah, It sounds great, man. Um, oh, nice one. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, uh, thanks for hanging out, guys. I really, uh, really enjoyed uh, speaking to all of you. And um, I would encourage people to have a look at the people's band camp pages and projects and everything else that is just being posted in the, in the chat. So, um, yeah, wonderful night at the Musicians' Pub again. hang <laughs> Hangout yeah. number 54. Um, Thank
3: really you. Really good for to speak to night. you.
0: Thanks a lot. Thank yeah, you nice uh, very much. Yeah. thank
3: you
0: so much yeah really enjoyed it so thanks a lot and see you later